get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. After the game, audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. Tyler O'Neill is quickly becoming my favorite human. Hold on, can we hear that again? You know, it's always set going back to back with the boys. <laughs> he knew. He knew halfway through. He's like, oh, what am I about to say here? Let's hear this one more time. You can hear the exact moment when Tyler O'Neill's like, Wait, what did I just say? Hockey comment. You know, it's always set going back to back with the boys. Oh, oh, it's always a sick selly when you selly with the boys and you go back to back. No, eh? no, no, no. I don't think that's why he was laughing. Don't think that's what it was. Let's go ahead and listen to this one more time. Is this like the raw dicky? Yeah. Oh, let's hear it again. It's always set going back to back with the boys. I, I'm going to go ahead and say he realized midway through that statement exactly what the connotation was. And he was like, ah, maybe I should try to get out of it. No, there's no, nothing I can do. I'm disappointed I didn't stay up late enough to, to be on the, the post Zoom because I would have loved to see like Katie Wu's face and Zach Silver's face when he says it's always sick going back to back with the boys. Put it on a T-shirt. Uh, that is a T-shirt. Ryder, Ryder, can we get this going? We need a t-shirt. It's sick going back to back with the boys. It's always sick going back to back with the boys. Love it. The Cardinals getting back on track yesterday. Such a Canadian they thing. Need, they needed that one in such a bad way. Such a bad way. They went eight to four, salvaged the series, win one out of three. Obviously not what you were looking for, Alex. Game one, we've talked about this a million times. Close score to nothing. You got outplayed from top to bottom in that game. They ended up, the Brewers did with 14 hits in that one. They just completely outplayed you from start to finish. Game two, 
you lose a heartbreaker. It's the second time all year that you had lost after leading going into the ninth inning. And it was a question, an open-ended question. How are they going to bounce back from such a brutal loss? Earlier this year, the last time they lost after leading uh, in the eighth inning, they ended up winning the next game. Three to two in 10 innings against the Cubs. But that was a way no day. Very different than John Lester day, as we have come to know. Now that's actually a Junior Fernandez day. Get it right. They found a way to do it, though. And this time it was the offense. I didn't think that that was going to be the case, especially with Woodruff on the mound. The Cardinals, Tommy Edmond, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Tyler O'Neill, those four combined yesterday went eight for 18 with a walk, four doubles, a home run, five runs, and six RBI. Alex, that's the kind of game that they needed out of those four in particular. Huge contributions from your best players offensively. Yeah, that was their recipe for success, and frankly, I was impressed by it last night. To be able to put that pressure on Brandon Woodruff, who had a 2.18 ERA coming into this ballgame, you know, it felt like the Cardinals knew that they needed to find a way to respond on top of it. John Lester's on the mound, gives up some runs in the early portion of the game, but the offense responded for him. And frankly, I was impressed by that. Now, am I satisfied? Am I jumping on the bandwagon that you tried to start last are, night? Are you ready? No. We powering this thing up? No. Well, you probably are. Is the bandwagon a Ferrari again? Or are we back to being the... Uh, uh, it's, it's still a Ford Tempo with three tires and, and, one, and one flat one. No, I'll it's give you a vehicle. A There's no buggy. <laughs> There's no buggy. <laughs> just BK's to, riding just on the me. horse. Yeah, it's exactly. just me riding around town. He's Paul Revere. <laughs> Paul Revere said, everybody, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are, are coming. The Cardinals are coming. No, they're not. But look, it was it was something to build off of more than anything. And frankly, that's what you needed going into a series against the Pirates, right? Because you needed to feel good momentum going into a team that you should be able to crush in these games. And now you have eight straight, nine straight where you should come away with an eight and one, nine and oh record. And frankly, this was the building block for it. If you're going for the wild card, and as Wayno has said numerous times, you know, we feel like we could do something special. Well, now's your time to actually pounce on that because if you don't now, you're never going to get into that wild card spot after these next couple of weeks. The updated wild card standings. Padres are currently in the lead for that second wild card spot. They're at 67 and 56 right now. They were off yesterday. They have a three game series this weekend against Philly. That's going to be big for the wild card standings because both of those teams are in it right now. After them, it's the Reds. One game back now are the Cincinnati Reds, and they have been playing very well of late. Their offense is just crushing it. They have the Miami Marlins. They started that series yesterday. They won that one six to one. They have three games this weekend against Miami. And then next week, they've got a three game set against Milwaukee. It's going to be a big one for the Cardinals and obviously for the Reds. Then you've got the Cardinals. Now, three and a half games back in the wild card standings. They go into the weekend starting out the finale, basically, of their easy portion of the schedule got three this weekend against Pittsburgh. You got two next week against Detroit. Then you finish up the easy part of the schedule with four more against Pittsburgh. That's when things get difficult going into the month of September. After the Cardinals, you get the Phillies and the Mets. They're both about five games back in the wild card standings right now. You mentioned the bandwagon, Alex. Are you guys willing to explore it? I know yesterday was a rough day for all of us. And yes, we are very much riding this roller coaster right now. I get it. If you're somebody that was like, oh, you guys were so negative yesterday. And now everything's all uh, happy. Go lucky. I get it. I get it. This is the roller coaster of a season and we're here to ride it. Are you guys exploring? Are, are you watching the bandwagon? Are you 
getting ready to jump on. Where are we at right now? Are you thinking the same thing I'm thinking right now? Probably not, but go for it. Yeah, that's, that's about right. No, I'm not hopping back on. They're just too inconsistent. He asked if you're exploring it. No, like, are you looking at the no. horse and buggy and thinking about no, jumping I, on? I watched BK go flying by on his horse, and I go, what the hell's that guy doing? BK gets bucked off that what bronco. What an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, get a car, am I right? Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not exploring it. I, I mean... You know, we talked with Keith Costas about this yesterday, and I thought more about it. Part of me feels like it's only a detriment to the Cardinals if they make that wild card. I mean, honestly, though, Alex really said before this segment, I'll peel back the curtain a little bit. Before this this segment, Alex Ferrario literally looked us in the eyes and said, guys, I think I'm being too negative as a person. I think I need to be more positive. And then our, our first segment, yeah. no more than Well, you guys made me feel later. better about myself. He said, no, you're not. You're doing fine, buddy. Just keep doing what you're doing. Seven minutes later, Alex Ferrario says, it's better for the Cardinals to miss the playoffs. Like, what? You guys know how this Cardinals front office works. They're going to make the playoffs on an incredible run, and they're going to sit here and say, well, we 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 made some process towards the end of the season, and if we were just healthy, we probably would have been in a better spot. So they're going to go into the offseason with a little bit more caution rather than going into the offseason and saying, hey, shortstop has been the biggest detriment to our team this season. Let's go spend money and make our offense better. But regardless what I feel with that, it's hard to jump on the bandwagon because, yeah, you're three and a half games back. It's easy, man. I've done it well, all, yeah, all year just, long. You've <laughs> stayed on the damn thing. You've been sleeping on it. You're three and a half games back of the Padres, but you still have to jump over the Reds who have been playing really good baseball as of late, and you play them six times. You still have to worry about the Phillies who are a game and a half ah. behind you. Don't ah me. They have two of the better. Their two pitchers are probably better than a majority of the guys in the Cardinals rotation. I like Flaherty and Wayno. I'm good. Yeah, Wheeler, I'll, Nola, I'll Flaherty, Wayno. You're going to take those two, really? Yeah, I'll take Flaherty. I'll take Flaherty. Yeah. I'll take Wayno too. Okay, what the hell? Well, Why you not? Guys, you guys just set yourself up for disappointment. I, I know that's the case. I've been doing that all year yeah. long. I've been feeling it repeatedly as this team kicks me in the teeth. I'm just waiting Usually for it to happen once again. You're riding. I, I'm kind of with Alex. I, I'm not going to jump on. I'm not going to say that I think it's detrimental for them to miss the playoffs yet. I, I, I think that I just can't jump on because Alex has mentioned it all season long. It's just so inconsistent. Like, I feel good walking away not only with that victory last night, but kind of how they played as a whole in the series. They were right in it in game one. They just couldn't come up with the big hit. And then you look at game two, and yeah, they lost. Got a regular Mike Schilt over here. But I know. <laughs> oh, Scratching claw, probably. But you look at game two, and you had the lead, and then you had just the collapse from Reyes, and it was off of really just one pitch led to home run, and then the 10th inning was the 10th inning. And then last night, the offense shows up, puts up a five spot on the board in, what, yeah. the fifth inning? So, like, I look at this team, I go, all right, very low in game one. Yeah, you know, not bad game two. Oh, game three, there we are again. I just can't buy on And Miles Michaelis is coming back, boys. He's I've seen back that once tonight. Already. His arm almost fell off the second time. That's fine. Just wait till he swings a bat. Okay. That usually goes well for Cardinals pitchers. Oh, he does. It'll be fine. He's he doesn't have to do that in the in the Street, National sorry. League game. He what? does. He does, unfortunately. I mean, he doesn't have um, What do you think? This is the Royals playing? Yeah, I know. So I am I'm not all the way back on the bandwagon, but I'm I'm warming my seat up. I've got the seat warmer on ready for me whenever I decide Grooming to get your a horse right now. Yeah, whenever I decide to to jump back on, because you guys know. We all know how this is going to go. Cardinals are going to win seven of their next nine against the Pirates and the Tigers. And after those nine games, we're all going to be like, oh, 
Maybe the Cardinals are back. No. They're going to be like a game, two games back in the wild card race going into that Cincinnati series. And I, my guess would be Cincinnati's going to be leading the wild card at that point. And you'll go into that series and we'll say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday games. That Monday will come in. We'll be like, man, this is the statement series for the Cardinals. We're back at it. If they win two out of three, they're they're right at the top of the standings in the National League wildcard race yet again. And we're all going to be back on board at that point. So I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of this thing a little bit. I think that I am cautiously optimistic that the Cardinals are getting healthy at the right time. We're starting to see the things that we had been waiting for, especially with the middle of this order really heating up. Arenado and Goldie have been great in the month of August for you, and that's what we've been waiting all season for. So I'm not all the way on board yet, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yesterday went a long way Glad for me, and I know it was one game, but here we are. Getting back on the bandwagon, I, and BK's well, I'm looking <laughs> at it, but I'm not going to get on board I, yet. I'm completely avoiding it. I'm, I'm just going to kind of stick with what uh, Jeff Passon said yesterday and just say, they're not very good. But yet you want him to make the playoffs. Nobody is, though. But yet you want him to make I the playoffs. I know nobody's good, but I look at this team, and I say they're not great to get into the playoffs. I, I look at them, and I say the Padres still have a lot of talent. They get healthy. They'll be fine. And then I look at the when, Phillies. They haven't been healthy in like a month. And their their rotation stinks right now. Yeah, but now they are. Now yeah. the Cardinals are healthy. Eh, even then. You know about that, that old adage of it's not about who you play when you play them? Well, for the Cardinals, Never heard it. it's not about when you're hurt, but when you're hurt. And right now, I think that's the same thing. The Cardinals are getting healthy at the right time. Alex like, tried to make this case during the blue season, and it never worked out. I'm going to do it for the Cardinals. Technically, it did because they made the playoffs. Well, That's true. That was actually, you know what? That's a great comp. That's a great point, Alex. I know. I you know how they them. made Just the Just like when I said I don't think it's smart if they make the playoffs. You know how they made the playoffs? Because everybody around them stunk. No, by kicking ass at the end of the season. That's how. Yeah. Every, everybody else sucked. Technically, they did kick ass at the end of the season. And the Cardinals are in a very similar spot where nobody seems to want to win this last wild well, Including spot. the Cardinals. And the Cardinals aren't going to be that team in September when they take on the Dodgers and the Padres the Red- and the Giants and the Reds and the Brewers. The Reds are the team that's going to get that second wild card spot. Put money on it. Risk free. Oh, wait, I'm not. Everyone, everyone's saying I'm not allowed to be on the bandwagon. That's fine. I'm, the Cardinals have won nine of their last 12 games. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. With Alex Ferrari on Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kiley, it's 11, team. What's it's 11 that tell 15, you? your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up at 1215, we'll talk to Kevin Goldstein. I'm sure he's going to be a ray of sunshine. Oh, I'm yeah. sure he's going to tell us he's exactly what every national perspective of the Cardinals tells us. <laughs> he loves the Cardinals, so he's going to join us coming up at 12:15. He's the former Astros assistant general manager. He'll give us the national vantage on this NL wild card race. But coming up next, we got to give credit where it's due. This bullpen setting the stage for what they need, not just for the rest of the season, but also for next year. I think there's a lesson to be learned in what the the difference is now versus earlier in the season in this Cardinals bullpen. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. You know, it's always set going back to back with the boys. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. You know, let's don't kid ourselves about the acquisitions. I mean, McFarland and Luis Garcia have done a tremendous job of settling down the other parts of that bullpen. And Andrew Miller's, you know, done his part in his spots. And, you know, you throw strikes, you have guys that are more seasoned that can, you know, compete to uh, know what they're doing. And, you know, you have the different opportunities to use them in certain places. That's how it works. Credit where it's due. The Cardinals bullpen officially deserves some praise. 
because the depth that they've added, the depth that John Mosaylock has added over the course of this season has really started to show out in a big way. Last night, we saw it once again. Luis Garcia, TJ McFarland at the back end. They were big key components to a night where the bullpen needed to be good. The Cardinals bullpen last night had to cover four and two thirds innings because John Lester was okay. He was adequate. He's fine. They faced 13 batters and they got 14 outs. They allowed zero hits, four strikeouts, zero walks to get those 14 outs. They needed just 38 pitches. 29 of them went for strikes. Now that is a dominant night coming out of the bullpen. Luis Garcia, TJ McFarlane, let's focus on those guys in particular because we've seen Cabrera, we've seen uh, Gallegos. We knew coming into the year that they were going to be big components of what was uh, the Cardinals pen. Those two guys have been tremendous additions for this team. Luis Garcia, I thought, was terrible uh, whenever he came over. That has not been the case at all. He's been awesome. What is it? His last like 12 appearances now have been scoreless. Yeah, he's gone 13 and two-thirds scoreless innings. Well, and you thought he was terrible too when he gave up those runs against the Cubs, remember? Yep, yep. I do remember you that. remember, right, in the postgame? There is a lesson to be learned about these particular additions, Alex. And the lesson for the rest of this season and beyond, because I, I think both of these guys could be back next year, but even if it's not them specifically, the Cardinals need to get back to where their, their roots are. Sinker, sinker ballers, man. Luis Garcia throws like 97, 98. The velocity's awesome. But it's a sinker that really works for him. He's a guy that gets soft ground balls, soft, easy contacts that end up getting sucked up by the Cardinals defense. And it's the same thing for TJ McFarland. TJ McFarland throws his sinker ball 69% of the times. Very nice. And he does a great job with it by utilizing the defense that's behind him. He doesn't throw hard. He doesn't strike anybody out, but he doesn't walk guys. And the defense that he utilizes behind him is among the best in the league. So next year, when they go into the offseason, Alex, and they're looking for, okay, how do we add some depth to this bullpen? These guys are super cheap to add because other teams aren't looking for them. They want the guys that are striking everybody out coming out of the back end of the, end of the bullpen. The Cardinals can find some cheap cost-controlled options that are sinker ballers that utilize the defense behind them. This is instructive for years to come. Think about this for a minute. Back on July 20th, he had a 54 ERA. That was the game that he gave up three runs to the Cubs. And from there, he's had 11 appearances, and he dropped it to a 3.68 ERA. I mean, that's how good this guy has been. And frankly, it tells you... The other thing with Garcia that I've been impressed with is he can give them multiple innings, right? Like a lot of his outings have been one and a third, one and two thirds. Sometimes he's had two innings of work, that's what you really need right now out of your bullpen. You don't need the one-and-done guys. You have that in Latino Heat for how good they've been this season. But you you need guys beyond that. And really, I know people are high on Ryan Helsley, but I haven't seen Ryan Helsley be able to clear a clean inning. It's usually with guys inherited. Garcia and McFarland are two guys that can come in and get the job done. They throw strikes. You're right with the sinker ball. They know the effective pitches to use, when to use them. And frankly, there's some confidence with them on the mound right now. So watching those two guys perform, one, it tells me that, yeah, it would be nice to go out and sign a guy like Liam Hendricks in the offseason and spend money on a bullpen guy. But that never works out for the Cardinals when they spend money on the bullpen. The Cecil deal was fine. Cecil deal was fine. You're right. So was Andrew Miller. It's worked out great. They got a World Series since then. 
you got to go out there and find cheap options that can do what you need. And that's throw strikes and be effective and be relied upon. And frankly, Garcia and McFarlane have been two of the best, in my opinion, since they've come to the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm with you. And we talk about using the defense. That was the number one thing we kept saying. This defense is so good. We have... The two guys on the corners could win gold gloves this year, and Arenado and Goldie. Tommy Edmonds, a really good second baseman. The outfield's been fantastic defensively this year. So just throw strikes and let your defense play. And throw strikes, I'm not saying just throw right over the heart of the middle. Put it at the bottom of the zone, and that's what they're doing with their sinkers. McFarland's been great, as you mentioned, BK. He's got the high ground ball percentage. Luis Garcia is the exact same thing. It makes me wonder, what would this pin have looked like had those guys been on this team earlier in the year? I mean, we're probably having another different, a whole different story because we talk about, well, the injuries. Well, the bullpen was a disaster to begin this season. You had nobody you trusted besides the big three. Now you're starting to see two guys that you kind of have more faith in that they kind of bridge that gap. So when a John Lester doesn't give you six innings, there's no panic of, oh, my gosh, how do we get to the big three? No, these guys are kind of that bridge that leads right to them, and you feel confident in them doing so. Somebody on the text line from the 314 and 65780 is Air Comfort Service text line. Guys, maybe BT could make a comeback if this is what the Cardinals are looking for. That's the thing. I, w- I would actually love to talk to BT about this. Make a I, comeback? No, <laughs> no. I'd love to talk to him about that. I would love to hear his thoughts on – the sinker making a little bit of a comeback right now, because I think it's part of what's made Adam Wainwright so effective as well. You have so many guys that are going with the high four seam fastball and it changes the eye level when now you're working down at the bottom of the zone because it's so rare. You're just not seeing it around the league right now because everybody's looking for spin rate. Everybody's looking for velocity and everybody's looking for strikeouts. So when you go up against the Cardinals and all they're doing is working at the bottom of the zone and they're just throwing strike, 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 inducing weak contact, Guys aren't used to that. It's almost like in the NFL, if you've got like the Ravens, right? You got all these different teams around the league that are going pass, 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 and then you got to prepare for the Ravens offense. And it's completely different than everything else that you see on a week in, week out basis when they first started doing that. It, it takes you aback. It takes more time to prepare for. So I wonder if there's something to that. As for Garcia and McFarland in particular, in the month of August, they have thrown a combined 19 innings. Those two have allowed a combined 11 base runners. They have 14 strikeouts to just one walk. One walk in 19 innings pitched this month. Zero earned runs between the two of them. Zero. You know what that means? What's that? T-Bone, you think of what I'm thinking? Uh, you know I'm thinking. I think it's time it. to bring the jury back to the table, boys. For the circle of trust? Let's get into the circle. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Tell me who do you trust? The Cardinals Circle of Trust with BK and Ferrario. Oh, boy. Oh, God. We had to, man. There's no way we can keep going with this performance and not induct these guys. Maybe we just need you to not vote. Yeah. I'm oh, worried yeah, about this. Kick him out. Let's do it. <laughs> no, let's get him off no, the jury. you're the one that's going to be kicked uh, out before anyone. Come on. This is bold. I this don't usually bold. call these, BK. Like, I don't, you know, I think Tanner just mistreats and disrespects Whoa. the circle. Yeah. The more the merrier, man. No. He treats like it as a brothel. Club. He does treat this as a brothel, and fun. frankly, it's not. <laughs> you treat this as... <laughs> What are you going to do in Vegas when you go, man? I don't know. I just hope I'm able to come back. Probably not. Me I, too, man. I, I, I think we... Remember, not everything that happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> true. It's true. Uh, all right. I think Let's we have to it. do this, though, right? Like, we have to, man. All right. So the circle of trust, if you're new to the show, you haven't heard this before, the way this works is we induct players into the circle of trust. This is not just about the numbers. It's about the feeling. When they come into the game, how do you feel? Do you think they're going to be able to give you a clean inning? 
So far, we have three members of our circle of trust. We tried four, and the fourth was terrible because T-Bone. So we have three. Hey, and Webb was a fourth at one point, too. That was very, very early on. Webb was we, great, though. He just didn't totally DFA'd. understand the concept. Shilton like his goggles. So... As of right now, it's just Latin heat. You've got Alex Reyes, Giovanni Gallegos. No, it's Latino heat. It's Latin. Latin I wasn't going to correct heat. you. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos and Hennessy Cabrera. No those, are the, those are the three guys that are in it right now. Let's start with Luis Garcia. In the month of August, 9.2 innings of scoreless relief. He has been good even further back than that, though. In his last 10 appearances now, he has 13 and two-thirds scoreless innings. That includes 12 strikeouts to zero walks. He has allowed in that time just six base runners. You stole my thing. I was going to say, ask me how many walks he's given up since you BKO'd him. Sorry. How many? Zero. Zero. Not fun anymore. In a Cardinals uniform, he's walked just one. That was the night that you BKO'd him. That is correct. Alex Tanner. I'm going to put it up for vote. Luis Garcia, is he the newest member of the Circle of Trust? You know what, T-Bone? I know you nerded out on this, so I'm going to allow you to use the numbers to back this statement up, but I'm going to use the feel measurement here. Kind of like what you've said in the past, you don't want this kind of feeling right here. But it wasn't the it wasn't the tight butt cheeks that you usually get. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the tight butt cheeks in the circle. Exactly. You got to make sure that you feel it correctly. When he takes the mound... I'm confident that he is not going to walk anybody. What happened? We have so many texters that are saying, please don't do this. <laughs> text line, well, come on. Well, first of all, text line, we're, we're, we're not allowing T- BK to do this. T- Tanner and I are going to take care of this. The feel for me is he he's going to throw strikes. He's not going to put himself in a bad predicament. And he manages the strike zone well. So for me... As a righty out of the bullpen, I feel like he deserves to be in the circle of trust because I trust him when he comes into the game, regardless of the outcome. Okay, so Alex is a yes on Luis Garcia in the circle of trust. I'm definitely voting I. His numbers have been incredible. How about the OPS against him in that stretch that you mentioned, the 13 and third scoreless? OPS below 300. Against, yeah. Put that man in the circle. That's all, your, that's all your nerd numbers are going to bring to the table? I didn't realize you wanted me to bring all these numbers. It's terrible. An OPS against of 283. I it's knew not my, bad. I knew my butt cheeks weren't tied. He belonged in the circle. All right. Yikes. So he's in. I will, I will also say it's an obvious yes. He deserves to be in right. the circle yeah, of trust. I don't want him in anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm out on this now. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves to be in because he's been tremendous basically since that moment where I BKO'd him and he... Lost the game for the Cardinals against the Cubs. We need to have like they had in Lion King in the Circle of Life, where like they hold hold something up. <laughs> are we, we going to hold up Luis is, Garcia? Yeah. <laughs> we, need to get a, we need to get a cardboard cutout of My God, your singing voice is brutal. All right, get to the next one. All right, the next he sings one again. Is TJ McFarland in the month of August? As I mentioned, nine and a third innings of scoreless baseball. He has struck out six, walked one in that stretch. He has an OPS against of 465. So a little, little worse, not quite as good as Luis Garcia in that respect, but he's been tremendous. Let's be honest. Alex, are you ready and prepared to induct TJ McFarland into the Cardinals bullpen circle of trust? I'm ready to induct him. I'm ready to induct him. You need another lefty. And frankly, Andrew Miller's never been anywhere close to the circle of trust since he's been here. Genesis Cabrera is the the go-to lefty, but I think you need another guy. And I like the fact that this guy can manage his... What's going on here? 
You're laughing again. Why are you laughing every time I talk? If you get Sheldon his next appearance after this, I'm running off of a cliff. Well, don't Guys, do what have you done? Well, don't Luis do Garcia that. here, BK. Please don't put me in the circle. I don't want to suck. Oh, for <laughs> God's sakes, guys. BK, please do a Costanza. Whatever you're thinking, just say the opposite here. Well, don't jump off a cliff. We that don't like, like that. That was like 10 different texters. I just, I think with what TJ McFarlane's done, guys, he deserves to be in the circle of trust. Now, you can argue that he hasn't faced quality opponents, but I would argue against that and say he's faced Milwaukee yeah. twice and Atlanta twice. So I think the lefty deserves to be in the circle of trust. Frankly, I'm amazed that I'm expanding this to five guys. That circle's not this big, but we're going to try it. Oh, we're going to make this circle bigger. Come on. Yeah, McFarlane belongs in the circle of trust he's pitched really well he's that lefty that you haven't had now you have it and you don't have to worry about miller coming in in the lefty lefty matchup you turn to tj mcfarland let's lift this guy up he's in the circle plus of trust. his ali is 0.17 which is incredible his what alex has no idea what that means <laughs> yeah i don't know what that yeah, is i know exactly what it means it's the average leverage index the average pressure the pitcher or batter saw in the game or season 1.0 is average pressure below one is low and above one is high and what's his name he's got low 0.17 wow good so awesome. watch out his ali <laughs> i don't even know what the hell that is <laughs> I'm a yes as well. Oh, baby. Let's go. We just blew two more guys off of the bullpen. No, we blew them out of the bullpen Wait, because it was so bad. <laughs> In the circle. What Wait, I don't know if I want to be involved anymore. No, it's, it's what happened. We just blew them out of the bullpen because it's been so bad. Um, Now I got tight butt cheeks again. Way to go, guys. <laughs> Come on, man. TJ McFarland also deserves to be in the Cardinals bullpen circle of trust. Three for three on this one. We have two new inductees. Congratulations to Luis Garcia. Congratulations I, to TJ McFarland. Put another guy on the table, please, before we're done. We're not done yet. I'm going to put another name on the table. Daniel Ponce de Leon. He has a zero ERA since coming off the IL. <laughs> and the reason it's zero is because he hasn't pitched. Pitch. We uh, haven't even has, know if he's no, alive still. No. He hasn't pitched. No, no, no. What I'm about to say is, has uh, no, don't. You're not allowed to induct someone. No, I'm not. Were you Have the Cardinals junior? officially activated? No. Miles Michaelis yet? Not yet. Prediction: I think Daniel Ponce de Leon today will be his final day. What if? Team. What if they do it to Luis Garcia or TJ McFarland? No, well, they probably will. No, I, I think last it. night you saw there was a moment when Daniel Ponce de Leon got up, and we were all like, "Whoa." Daniel Ponce de Leon still on the roster? I'm shocked you got that excited. <laughs> Matt Carpenter here texting in. Why are you putting them in the circle but not me? Okay, we're going to move on from Sorry, that. Sorry, Matt. Um, Although he does have a shutout scoreless outing. There was a moment when it looked like Daniel Ponce de Leon was going to enter the ball game last night. It was great. I thought it was going to be the final time that we got to see him in a Cardinals uniform. Nope, we uh, don't get to see him again. I think that today will be his final day it's in a Cardinals an uniform. One guy to throw out real quick. Maybe he's the player to be named later. Are we getting close to taking Alex Reyes out of the Cardinals circle of trust? I'm not there yet, but I am starting to consider it. I, I, I think if he blows another save, I'm going to have to really consider taking him out of the circle because he has gotten to a point now, and I don't know if I can blame him all that much. Part of me wonders if you got to blame... The fact that his arm is just destroyed from how much he's been used in such little time this season. But now I'm not ready to take him out yet. I don't think I'm going to take him out yet. I, even if he blows another save, it would depend on me how he does it. If he gets hit around, that would be just kind of a rarity. If it's because walks are an issue again, then I would definitely start to consider it. But yeah, he's kind of teetering for me. It takes me. a lot to get you out of the circle of trust. Because once you're out, you don't go back in. Well, yeah. What? 
The, the problem for him has been, surprise, surprise, the walks. Uh, in the second half of the season, he's allowed 10 walks to 52, in 52 at-bats. Opposing uh, hitters have a 328 on base percentage against him, which is a little bit problematic. It's it's increased a sizable amount since the first half of the season. Um, so, yeah, it's going to take more than that for me to get him out of the circle of trust, but it is something worth monitoring. But, no, I'm not there yet. I'm not saying that he shouldn't uh, be in the circle of trust just yet. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. That segment made me emotional. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, the bullpen. we'll get some questions and answers. But coming up next... It sounds like the Arizona Coyotes are planning to move. Where would Alex Ferrario like to see them move that could make them a rival for the Blues? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendrickson and I'm Brandon Kylie. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. We'll do that in about ten minutes or so. But right now, let's get into a Ferrario Five. Today's edition: the five relocation possibilities for the Arizona Coyotes, as it was announced yesterday. The city of Glendale has chosen not to renew the operating agreement for the Coyotes after this upcoming season. They're going to be moving. We don't know where yet. What are the five best possibilities for them to become a legit rival with the Blues? He just pointed to the open. Do you see how Tanner doesn't play the open unless Ferrario says play the open? You know better than that, BK. T-Bone, hit the open! You're listening to BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Ferrario 5. A top 5 list of very random things. So, Ferrario, give us your top 5. So, this is going to be tough, too, just in terms of building a rivalry with the Blues because I only think there's a certain amount of destinations that the team can go to stay in the Central and possibly build a rivalry because you're looking at either going to the Eastern Conference or the Pacific. But there are a couple of destinations that I feel like could become rivalries in the Central. The first one for me, number five on this list, is Kansas City. My only hesitation with Kansas City is they've tried it in the past and it just didn't get a lot of fans there. They've tried it with a couple of NHL games and they've tried it with the AHL. The NHL games have been they're doing it this year. They've been sold out. That's just not true. I'm pretty sure they haven't been. They have been. I I promise you. I don't think so. And if I know hugely successful. Well, that's why I'm saying that it's not that successful with BK there. I mean, he's hockey guy. Regardless, I don't know if that's going to flourish enough for the NHL to send him to Kansas City. Okay. Maybe you believe it, but hey, you got to... I'm not saying it would be successful, but you that got a side in this definitely horse. be above number five. I'm curious to see what the rest of the list looks you like. You have though. a side in this horse, BK, so please just keep it to yourself right now, okay? Number four on this list... I have a side in this horse. Okay. You got a horse in this race. That was the saying. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. Number four on this list is going to stay in Arizona, but frankly, I think it's going to make it better. It's going to go to Scottsdale. So they're in Glendale right now, and we I talked about this with Jamie and yesterday. Staying in Scottsdale is better for the rivalry because than if the, they go to Kansas Because City. the fan base would yeah, be better yeah. in Scottsdale. Nobody cares at Glendale. Glendale is like a retirement community. Scottsdale, you're going to get a that lot of people nice. going there. 
Debo might be there. I think if you go to Scottsdale, the fan base becomes a lot bigger for the Arizona Coyotes. You probably get more people coming to the games, which in all in all reality, Arizona is kind of rising up the ranks right now in terms of competition level. Like they made some offseason moves. They have Bill Armstrong there. You want a nice fan base. So I think Scottsdale would be the place to go. And you're not moving them that far. It's just a matter of if Scottsdale is willing to pay the money for that as well. Number three on this list for me is to head over to Cleveland. But hear me out here. They go to Cleveland, play in the Eastern Conference, but that benefits the Blues to send Detroit back to the Central. Okay. Now, I don't know if they would do that because I know Detroit has just been dying to basically get out of the Central when they went to the Eastern Conference because they're the Eastern time zone and they hated the travel. But I, I think in terms of rivalry, it would make the most sense to put Detroit back into the central to where they could play St. Louis and you get those rivalries back. So if you shift Arizona, because Arizona is going into the central division this year because Seattle's headed to the Pacific division. If Arizona goes to Cleveland, you shift Cleveland to the east and then you shift Detroit over to the central and have them back into it. Like that one. Number two, Quebec City. And Jamie mentioned this yesterday. And again, I don't know if this creates a rivalry for St. Louis, but what it does is I think it just enhances the fan base for NHL and a national perspective. Quebec City's been dying to get one. I think you'd have a avid fan base there. That would be pretty interesting to go another Canadian team as well. So Quebec City was number two. Number one is Houston. Jamie said this yesterday, but the more I thought about it, the more I'm thinking that would be a rivalry. Now, I don't know if it would if it would succeed in another team in Texas because Dallas sometimes is hot, sometimes it's cold. Not the weather, the fan base. But Houston's pretty big when you got the Texans, when you got the Rockets, when you got the Astros, even though they cheat. I think you'd get a pretty darn good fan base, and that to me would stay in the Central as well. I think that would create a pretty good rivalry, one, between Houston and Dallas, but two, I think it would create a pretty cool rivalry in St. Louis as well. So Alex's list, number one, Houston, number two, Quebec City, number three, Cleveland, number four, just staying in Arizona, going to Scottsdale, number five, Kansas City. I'm surprised you don't have Indianapolis on this list. Um, I was done Cincinnati either. I thought Cincinnati. Yeah, it came down to Cleveland or Cincinnati there, but I, I, I think you could basically. I put mean, Cleveland either one of them. Cincy. I'm it's trying to Ohio. think though, and if I'm not mistaken, and my geography is terrible, Cleveland's a little bit further away from from Columbus yeah. than Cincinnati, and I don't know if you want to do two of them that close together. So, uh, another place that you could go with, maybe I'm not sure if this would end up being a good idea or not, but Milwaukee. They've already got a basketball team, so maybe they think it's oversaturated with that. I think I, that could be an I've issue for them they, in Cleveland I've as well. I've heard that they have a baseball team, too. Milwaukee? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Okay. I'm, just I'm talking sure. about for the season because you got to use the same arena. And if you're selling tickets at the same, the same time, sometimes they don't want to have a hockey and a basketball team in a smaller market like Milwaukee. You might not be able to sell out all the tickets, but Minneapolis is able to do it. They, they are able to support both the Timberwolves and the Wild. So maybe that could be well, something worth watching. Too. Staples Center with the Kings and the Clippers and yeah, the Lakers. That's, LA. that's one of the top five markets. Because I was going to mention, what about Memphis? Memphis I, would be another one, too. No, I don't think you do Memphis because you already got one in Nashville. No, that's true. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you do Memphis there. I think I, I know that people are going to say, yeah, you're the Kansas City guy. That's why you're saying. I really do think an NHL team in in Kansas City or maybe even Oklahoma City would be really cool for St. Louis. Oklahoma Um, City, I didn't really think too much of, but I mean, do they really support the Thunder? Yeah, when they're they're good. Are they? It's a huge, huge basketball town. 
Um, I don't know how hockey would work there. We've never seen it tried, at least to my understanding. So I have no idea. I think Houston's a great one, though. To your point, I know I listened to what you guys had to say about this yesterday with Jamie as well. Houston would be an awesome market for this. It's a massive ta- massive city. Um, I think they would definitely support the team in a big way. For, for St. Louis's perspective, if you're looking at how you find a rivalry naturally location-wise, I think it would either have to be Houston or Kansas City. I think those would be the two spots that make the most sense for them. Yeah, I think Quebec could be an interesting rivalry, but it just depends on where they go. If they go to the Pacific or... For, for, for the Blues? Yeah, well, like I said, it depends on where they go. If they go to the East, it's not a rivalry. But if they're in the West and even if they're in the Pacific, I think you could build something there. Because Vancouver was a pretty big rival for the Blues for a really long time, mostly because you saw them in the playoffs. But again, take into consideration here, Arizona's kind of on the rise. So it's not like you're starting a team from scratch like Seattle or Vegas. You're going to be basically taking the Arizona team and moving it somewhere else. So if they're still good, it just depends on how effective that rivalry would be. Uh, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. Hockey in Wisconsin, really? There's a lot of hockey players that come out of Wisconsin. Yeah. Northern states do pretty well in hockey. Of course, that would make a lot of sense. All right, 65780 is your comfort service tax line. Coming up in 10 minutes or so, has Tyler O'Neill earned a contract extension? I know at first there's probably a lot of fans that hear that and say, no, absolutely not. I hear you. What if we gave you a comp of Randall Gritchick? Explain why it might make some sense for the Cardinals this offseason in about 10 minutes or so. But coming up next, time for some questions and answers here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Let's start with this from the three one four. Hey guys, did you hear Amzinger this morning with the morning show? He said that next year he believes the Cardinals will have Yachty, Wayno, and Pujols as the DH. What are your thoughts on that possibility? I could see it happening. I mean, one, because it's Pujols and you do kind of the the final tour, maybe not just with him, but with all three of those guys. But two, I see it happening because if the Cardinals are going to spend money on the DH, it's going to be cheap. And I don't know if Pujols is going to be asking for more than what Yachty's asking, probably less than that, because he's getting all of the money from the Angels still. Um, so, yeah, I could see it happening. I could see them going out there and looking at them and saying, look, you'll be a DH for us. You'll play every day or as much as you can, but it'll be that kind of farewell tour in St. Louis. Yeah, I could easily see it happening. I, I think it just makes sense, not just from a baseball standpoint, kind of, where he could be a good guy that you split at the DH against left-handed pitching, but also it just makes sense as a business model. I mean, you get to see Albert Pujols in his final tour, as Alex just mentioned. I'm excited to go watch him play when he's playing for the Dodgers when they come into town in September. So just imagine that excitement of him, Yachty, and Wayno more than likely on the final ra- ride. And it's, I think, the three, only the three guys left from that 06 team that are still playing. It's also the growth for your prospects, too. If you put Albert Pujols in that clubhouse and let's say Nolan Gorman is a part of that team, wouldn't you want one of your best prospects to be around one of the best players in the game and the future Hall of Famer? just makes a lot of sense for the Cardinals. I would be fine with it as long as it is with the understanding that he's only going to hit against left-handed pitching. Because when he's gone up against lefties this year, he's been fantastic. He has a 935 OPS. When he goes up against right-handed pitching this year, he's been awful. Like Matt Carpenter levels of bad against lefties. He has a 520 OPS. That includes a 185 batting average. So, Well, we do know that the Cardinals have success in terms of telling a player when he can and cannot play. Albert Pujols is a perfectly acceptable addition. 
if he's utilized in the correct role. And I have not seen this team do a whole lot of platooning. It's something that they need to be better at. It's something that will help them moving into the future. We've seen this year in particular, the Giants have had a ton of success by utilizing those. If they're willing to do that, and if they really stick with it, he makes a ton of sense. If they're not, though, then I think that it would be a little bit problematic, and I don't know that it's a great fit for the Cardinals. Frankly, so I'm just happy you didn't say J.D. Martinez or Nelson Cruz. You know I'm interested Stop in Stop it with the geriatrics guys. already. Eduardo Escobar. I don't think he's that old, so that's fine. He's like 33. He'd be oh, fine. Okay, he's up there. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line from the 217. Questions and answers. Do you expect Nolan Gorman to be a legitimate middle-of-the-order impact back as early as next season? I expect him to be an impact bat next season, but I don't expect him to be a middle of the order impact bat. I I can see him being maybe like a second half of the season impact bat or kind of a, I don't want to say a Jeremy Hazelbaker because I think he's going to be more impactful than that, but you kind of see where I'm going with this. I think he's going to be kind of like a hit or miss kind of guy. Maybe like what Lars Nupar has been right now. That's what I see Nolan Gorman being next year. I don't see him turning into a legit four or five hole hitter for the team next year. Two years? Yeah, I can see that. But next year, I don't think so. Yeah, I think I'm with you because with Dylan Carlson, I think he's going to be a great player moving forward. But this is his rookie year, and he's gone up and down, up and down pretty much all year. And he's about where I thought he'd be. I think Gorman would be the exact same way. And I don't know if you want Gorman hitting fourth or fifth in your lineup. He'd probably be a guy that you call him up and he hits six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range just for the beginning of his career because he's not going to be a 255, 260 where Carlson's sitting. He's probably a 230, going to hit some home runs because he's not a contact guy like Dylan Carlson is. Gorman's more of a power doubles hitter than I think Dylan Carlson's going to be. I have been impressed with his ability to bounce back. He did not have a good start down in AAA. And after his first like 10 games down there, he clearly made some kind of an adjustment. In his last 33 games there now in the in triple a it's batting 315 with an ops over 900 he has in that stretch seven doubles seven home runs and 28 rbis that's in 33 games wow super impressive the adjustment that he's been able to make his strikeout rate is actually not that high right now down in triple a i don't know if you're expecting him i'm with you tanner and alex i don't know if you're expecting him to be a middle of the bat um middle of the order rather bat I do think he is somebody, though, that can come in and contribute for you next year. I think mid-May, maybe early June, after he gets a little bit more seasoning down in AAA, he's absolutely somebody that I would expect to be up with the big league club, and I think he's going to make an impact for them next year. Just maybe not as in middle-of-the-order bat. Last one here from the 217. Out of Gorman, Walker, and Carlson, who do you guys think has the highest ceiling for the Cardinals? Gorman, Walker, Carlson, which one has the highest ceiling? After hearing Jeff Passan yesterday, I think Jordan Walker's got the highest ceiling. It really sounds like that national perspective views him as a future superstar. And I know we've thrown that term around a lot with guys like Dylan Carlson, with Oscar Tavares, who of course passed away. So we never really saw that come to fruition. But from, from everything I've seen about Jordan Walker, I really feel like he has the highest potential because it does sound like he has everything that makes him up to be a three or four hitter in your lineup. I think I'm going to say Carlson for now. And the only reason I say that is I, I think Gorman's going to be a great player. Don't get me wrong. But I think Carlson has the potential to be a guy that can hit for average, hit for extra base hits, get home runs, has some speed, can play great outfield defense. 
has a great arm. I, I think he can be a franchise-changing right fielder. Gorman, I think he hits for power, and I think he's going to be great, but I think he's going to be a guy that's kind of like O'Neal, kind of streaky, goes through that 230, 250, got great power. And then Jordan Walker, I just don't know enough of about yet. I know that everything we're hearing, the, the front office has really promoted him as, oh, he's got the same X of ELO and stuff as Albert Pulston in our system. I just want to see more of Jordan Walker and the Myers before I'm going to jump on board and say, yep, that's the guy. That's the guy with the high ceiling. That's the only reason I don't say him. I do believe Dylan Carlson, though, is going to be a franchise-changing right fielder for this team. It's interesting because I actually think Carlson's the guy that I feel the best about having the highest floor. I think he's going to be good. I'm very confident that Dylan Carlson's going to be a good major league player, and we've already seen that so far this year. I don't know what Walker is going to be, but I agree with you, Alex. He's the one that I would say has the highest ceiling. Can I change my answer? <laughs> oh, why? What happened? No, you just agreed with me. I, oh. I think Jordan Walker, the, the reports that we're hearing from the Cardinals are hard to ignore at this point. He's very young, and we have no idea what it's going to look like three years from now, which is probably when he would arrive in the big leagues. But if he makes good on the potential that they're talking about, yeah, the ceiling for him is like 35 plus home runs, a legit stud cleanup hitter that hits 40 or 100 RBI in a season. Like the guy that the Cardinals have not developed within their system, homegrown. Like he's prime since Albert. He's prime Paul Goldschmidt in his prime in Arizona, Nolan Arenado in his prime in Colorado. That's what Jordan Walker. Look, when you're getting national perspective and you've been in a major leaguer for what, a year? And he's already been promoted to high A ball. Like, that's no coincidence. That's not, the, that's not the Cardinals saying, oh, well, we want to make this guy look good. There's no PR stunt with that. He's played well. Other and, than Albert, have they had in the last 20 years a guy that is a perennial 30-plus home run hitter that's been homegrown? I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Like, they, they've had those guys. Paul DeYoung but, did it once. Yeah. I mean, he, he is what Paul DeYoung was supposed to be, is what his ceiling could potentially be. I, I can't think yeah, of I anybody know. else. Yeah, I don't think there is anybody else because thinking Edmonds, no, he wasn't homegrown. Mm -mm. Edmonds wasn't. Roland Roland wasn't either. I don't know if Beltran. The guys that did it weren't, and he wasn't homegrown either. The guys that have done it were players that they brought in from the outside. Like Matt Holliday did it, but he was not from the inside. And that's that's what's so valuable about a player like um, like Jordan Walker. He's going to be super cheap for the first five years of his career once he gets up to the big leagues. And so. you've mentioned with Gorman, his bounce back ability at Memphis. Walker's kind of done the same thing in Peoria. His numbers look really good. He struggled when he got promoted. He's not hitting for as much power. His OPS isn't as high as it was when he was with uh, Palm Beach, which is a little surprising because it's hard to hit in that ballpark. But I think that'll get there. He's starting to hit for average again. He's getting doubles. He's becoming more of a all-around hitter in Peoria right now and bouncing back. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up next... Has Tyler O'Neill done enough to earn an extension this offseason? I know it might sound a bit premature. I totally get that. But Randall Gritchick signed a five-year, $52 million deal with the Blue Jays. Would you be willing to hand that right now to Tyler O'Neill? The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. You can also get involved via the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. We'll give you our answers to that question. Hear from you coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. O'Neal with the drive. This one is way out of here. Oh, goodness. He 
last night as Tyler O'Neill hits yet another home run. He's been really good for the Cardinals this season when you look at the overall numbers on the year. Right now, he's batting 275, Alex. He is on pace for 26 doubles, 28 home runs, 12 steals, and an OPS plus of 136 on the season. That is 36% above league average. Can I ask you something real quick about him? Please. Do you put him in the in an MVP conversation? And the only reason I ask that is because Willie Adamas is he's getting a lot of buzz about being an MVP and rightfully so Tyler O'Neill's numbers are pretty close to what Willie Adamas has. And I'm not saying he should win it, but do you do you at least give it consideration? So I think that we're kind of getting out in front of this with the National League. And it's a fair question. I, I like where your head's at on this, Alex, before we get into the conversation about whether or not you would potentially extend him. I think that the NL, uh, I think the NL MVP is pretty clearly Fernando Tatis Jr. As long as he is able to stay healthy, the rest say, of that's the incredible season. to me. Um, he, I know that the injuries have been an issue for him, but if he stays healthy the rest of the year, he's pretty clearly, at least to me, clearly the best player in the National League this season. I don't, I don't think there's a clear MVP in the National League yet, just because he hasn't played the amount of games. Now, maybe now, like you said, he's if he stays 92. healthy, I mean, that's not a whole lot different than what we've seen out of Tyler O'Neill. If we're willing to bring him into the conversation, yeah, I, Tyler O'Neill. The only reason I kind of would push back on his numbers for MVP is the difference between him and Adamas. Is Adamas has come in and sparked something with the Milwaukee Brewers. That's why I think you can categorize him as a most valuable player. Tyler O'Neill's been here all year, and we haven't really seen a spark from the Cardinals. I think Nolan Arenado should get some serious conversation if he can continue to stay hot and get the team into the playoffs because you're looking at MVP candidates, and Tatis may finish with, what, 120, 130, somewhere in that range. A lot of these other guys are going to be in that 150, 140 range. I think games that people do weigh that, and I think some people will look at that and kind of deduct him down. I'm with you. He's probably the best player in the National League right now. But I think games played are going to hurt him and his voting. Only reason why I think that it's going to be one of the reasons why I think it's going to be Tatis is just the, the volume numbers. Oh, I, I know the, disagree. the games played, you're right, Tanner. It'll be considered. But he's at 34 home runs right now. If he finishes with 45 homers and he's also at 23 stolen bases, if he finishes with like 45 home runs and 30 stolen bases. That's going to be really difficult for somebody else to top, even if he does play 125, 130 games on the year. I just think that's going to be a little overwhelming. So I like where your head's at, Alex, and maybe there will be some talk about it. I think he's a little too far back. A lot of the voters look at the wins above replacement metric. He's at three right now, which is a very good season. But Fernando Tetsis Jr. is at five. Uh, Max Muncy's right in that range. Trey Turner's around four and a half. So is Jake Cronenworth. So there's there's other guys mm-hmm. that are too far ahead of him, in my opinion, that are on contending teams. Only benefits him, though, the fact that I, we're even bringing this up right now for Absolutely. Tyler O'Neill. Because last year, we weren't even thinking of this. It, it shows just how great of a season he's had. So the question that I have for our audience right now, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We've got the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Would you consider extending Tyler O'Neill after this uh, after this season? I mentioned his numbers. He's on pace for 26 doubles, 28 homers. He'll do so in 130 games as his current pace for games played. The reason why I say a five-year, $52 million extension is because that's what Randall Gritchick signed with the Blue Jays. Now, I think Tyler O'Neill's a better overall player than Randall Gritchick, but the timing is very important here. O'Neill's about to go into his first year of arbitration, 
And the way that that works is they look for who's your comparison. Who's the closest comp for the numbers that you're currently putting up in the walk year. So this is 2021 season. Who are some of the guys that put up similar numbers in their history? Well, if you look at baseball reference, the closest comp for Tyler O'Neill right now is Chris Davis, not the one that just got DFA. And that's by, getting paid like Bobby Bonilla for the next 15 years. Not that years. one. The one that hit 247 for like five straight years for the A's, who previously, early in his career, played for the Brewers. Now, Chris Davis is a pure home run hitter. He hit 40 home runs in 2016, 17, 18 at the front end of his arbitration years. He ended up getting $5 million in year one, $10 million in year two, and $15 million in year three. So, if you extend that out, it would basically be a three-year, $30 million contract is what he got through arbitration. It's kind of what you're probably looking at if Tyler O'Neill is going to be able to sustain this. And then he hits free agency. So you'd be buying out two more years of free agency. You're getting his prime under contract, cost-controlled. You know exactly what he's going to be on the books for. Alex, is this something that you would be interested in or... Do you want to wait, play this thing out, and see what it looks like next year before you start talking extension with Tyler O'Neill? when you do have technically three more years of club control over him? Unfortunately, as much as I love what Tyler O'Neill has done this season, I think I'm going to wait a year. I think, one, the Cardinals have been bitten by the extension way too many times. And, and to me, this feels like it's a different scenario than Paul DeYoung or Matt Carpenter or Miles Michaelis. But I, I still just I, I want to see more. Tyler O'Neill improved this year tremendously from last year. Like he has changed his approach. He's hitting more doubles. He's not just going for power. Frankly, he has been striking out less as well. Mm-hmm. He's a different player this year. But to me, I don't know if he's a let's 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 extend him so we know he's our everyday left fielder. He's under control. Arbitration, I would I would imagine, is probably going to be less than the ten million dollars, maybe a little bit more. I'd say wait a year, and if he grows from what he does this year, then yeah, I would look into actually buying out the rest of those contracts. The other thing with this is if I'm going to extend him, that might to me signify that I'm I'm moving on from Harrison Bader. Because if you're locking him up, you know you're going to have to lock Dylan Carlson up. I just don't know if you can lock up all three of those guys to 10 plus million dollars. So I might be moving on from Harrison Bader if Tyler O'Neill's getting locked up. I, I would not. I would just wait. The, I would play the process out and then go from there. I, I wouldn't consider it an extension in year two. I don't think either, unless he just does something unbelievable. Because as you mentioned, BK, when you asked the question, if Tyler O'Neill sustains this, well, that's my biggest thing is if, because he's been so streaky in his career. And sure, he hasn't had one of those long streaks this year where he goes extremely cold and strikes out a ton. But that's still something in his past that I still have to worry about. Injuries are a big thing for me, too. He hasn't been able to put together a full, healthy season. He's been on the IL, what, twice this year? Maybe mm-hmm. three times? So that concerns me with Tyler O'Neill. And to me, the way his he plays a game, I love him defensively, but his strikeouts, again, Alex mentioned he's cut down on those. I just see him as a guy that's going to either be kind of do or die. And I like that. I like him as a six-hole hitter, but I don't want to extend him to be a six-hole hitter because I think that's ultimately where he will hit if you go get a big bat. And the other thing, you mentioned the contract extensions in the past. Alex, it feels almost like a trap extension, in my opinion, if you do it. it and, but what I mean by that is you're going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. He's got this great year. He looks like he's making improvements. Let's go in. Let's lock him up so we can avoid uh, whether maybe it's having to pay him more down the stretch, kind of get these arbitration years done. They've done that on multiple players, and some of those extensions haven't worked out. Buying in on just one year. If you can buy in on two years of 
If he does this again next year, then I'm more likely to do it than I am this year. So a few points on this. Um, I don't think they've had any extensions like this that have actually been a problem for them. They The extensions that become issues for them, in my opinion, are the ones that they sign after it's the third deals. The second deals typically are fine for them. Um, the ones that people will bring up, Paul DeYoung, that deal is still technically a value deal for the Blue or for the Blues for the Cardinals. They could trade that at any point in time, and the only reason he really has value on the market is because of the contracts that he signed to. Stephen Biscotti, did he end up becoming the player that the Cardinals thought he would be? No, but they were able to trade him with no issues whatsoever for a prospect, and that it didn't hinder them from making any other moves. Alan Craig was signed early on. He ended up being involved in a package that landed you John Lackey. So that was a valuable contract from that perspective. Matt Carpenter's first extension was very good for the Cardinals. The problem was the next one. That's the one that he's playing on right now. Miles Michaelis was very different. That was not arbitration years. That was an actual extension similar to what they're dealing with right now for Carpenter. So I don't think they've really had an issue with the ones that were the pre-arbitration years. Uh, and I don't think it would be an issue necessarily with Tyler O'Neill as well. You'd be getting out on the front end where even if he ended up becoming a slightly lesser version of this player, I think it still ends up being a perfectly fine deal. That being said, I think I'd wait one more year. The reason why I would do so is because of the injuries. It has much less to do with who he is as a player and the performance that we've seen this year and much more to do with the possibility that I just don't know if he can stay healthy for 130 games a year. This year, he's finally getting close to that. And I like what we've seen from him on the field in every possible way. Great defender, has improved at the plate. The plate discipline is kind of back to where it was previously in his career, to be honest. He's striking out about 32% of the time now this season, which is about his career average. But the streakiness, even when he's going through power slumps this year, he's still hitting for a good average. So I like that. On the field, this is the player that I think all of us hoped that he would become. And I agree with you as well, Tanner. I think he's a six-hole hitter. And that's fine. He's Joey Gallo kind of from that perspective. I just want to – I'm worried about the health. I want to see him stay healthy for one more season. And after that, I'd be more than happy to talk extension with Tyler O'Neill. But I think I need to see one more year out of O'Neill before we really talk extension with him. Uh, we did go a little long here. We've got Kevin Goldstein on the other side. He's a, a former Astros assistant GM. He's now a national writer over at Fangraphs. I'd be curious his perspective on these early deals. We'll talk to him about that. We'll hear from you guys on this contract extension possibility coming up at 1230. Kevin Goldstein next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Very happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by, I think we can call him officially friend of the show at oh, this yeah. point. He's Kevin Goldstein, former Astros assistant general manager. He's now writing over at Fangraphs. You can follow him on Twitter at his name, Kevin underscore Goldstein. Kevin, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? I always appreciate being called a celebrity. It makes my day every time. Well, we, we wouldn't consider you anything else here on the show. <laughs> hey, Kevin, we were just talking about Tyler O'Neill's season and what he could potentially be for the Cardinals moving forward. I, I'd love to get your perspective as a, as a former member of a front office. When you have a player like Tyler O'Neill, who's experiencing a, a legit breakout season, 
Do you try to get out in front of this with, with the contract numbers? Because he'll be in his first year of arbitration eligibility this year. And in the past, the Cardinals have, have tried to get these deals done very early. Is that something you'd start looking at already? Or would you want to see another season or two of this before you really start going there? I think it's really player by player. And I think with a guy like Tyler O'Neill, I think you do have to play it season by season. I think his approach creates a lot of variability into what he can do in the sense that he still is, is a very aggressive hitter. There's still a lot of, of quick at-bats. He's kind of an early action guy who swings at a lot of pitches. And you know, it, it leads to, as you know, a, a really high strikeout rate. He leads the team to strikeouts. And he's having a very good season. We've always known this guy had huge raw power. I mean, you look at him when he gets off the bus, you're going to go, hey, I bet that guy hits home runs. Uh, but, but you know, it, there, there is some risk to what he does because of the way he does it. So, He's the kind of guy where I don't think you have as much comfort with what you're doing. You're very happy with what he's doing, and you hope he can keep it up. And there's a good chance he can, but I think you would want to get a little more uh, assuredness that he can play with this kind of style of approach and and consistently be this kind of performer before you start talking about an extension. Kevin, the offense for the Cardinals this year has been frustrating, to say the least, for a lot of Cardinals fans. Last year, I think the fans were talking about the outfield position being the most frustrating part because Bader really didn't come through, Tyler O'Neill wasn't, and Dylan Carlson was still struggling. When you look at this team now, where do you feel like the biggest hole is in terms of frustration for the offense? I think it's in the middle of the infield, obviously. You know, you're talking about Paul DeJong struggling to, to stay at the Mendoza line. I know he can you know, he can still run to some balls and hit some home runs, but he's in 197 right now. And then, you know, Tommy Edmund at second base is, a, you know, a gritty little player, but he's not much of an offensive producer. The on-base is, is hanging around 300, and there's not a lot of slug there. So I think, you know, if you want to address places to improve the offense, the middle of the infield seems like pretty much the obvious answer to me. Well, when you look at that, there's there's a ton of options this offseason, Kevin, and this is a great shortstop market, but all of them have questions, right? Carlos Correa, I, I know you have a, you've seen a lot of his career down in Houston. He had the back issues earlier on, although he is a great player. Seager has the injury questions. It's been a weird year for Trevor Story, and Baez doesn't get on base at a high clip. Out of those guys, are there any that you think make the, the most sense for this Cardinals club if they were willing to go to the ends that it's going to take money-wise? Uh, I think at the end, you have to look, just look at all of them as upgrades, right? You know, it, it, you're right. They all have holes, and then, you know, Correa does get hurt at times. And I, I, I almost want to give Story a mulligan for his season. It's been such a weird year in Colorado, and, um, you know, he was, you know, quite quite frank with how upset he was about not getting traded. And I, it's really tough to play for a team like that. And uh, I think he'd really be a perfect fit, but you know, all of those guys would be upgrades at the very least. And so you just kind of have to line them up and see what the cost is going to be. If we have an off season at this point and figure hmm. out who best that is. Kevin, from a front office perspective, is there a difference in terms of evaluating your team and going into the off season? If you miss the playoffs rather than you getting in and making the wild card, but not being successful from it. Not really. I mean, I, th- I think if you miss the playoffs or you get into the coin flip game and lose, I think at the end of the day, you're going to feel the same way about your team, which is, you know, we weren't good enough. And uh, you might feel a little bit different if, you know, you win a playoff series or, or, or get deep into the postseason, but just dropping the, the wild card game. It's not really even a playoff game in a lot of ways. You know, it's, it's, it's a dirty little secret <laughs> in baseball. That's one that always struck me is, you know, in 2015, when I was with the Astros, we, we made the wild card game, went to New York, and, and, and luckily won that game. 
But it always struck me that we didn't need a postseason credential for that game. We still used our regular season credentials. I was like, yeah, this isn't even a playoff game. And so I think you got to get past that for, for it to count. And uh, so I don't think it makes a big difference. I, I think you're going to walk away saying my team's not good enough. And what do I need to do to improve it? Kevin, what I, I am curious on this because the, 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 you, you mentioned the middle infield, and that's something we've talked so much about because of Paul DeYoung's struggles this year. How do you know who the guy is that you feel comfortable going to that length on? And that, what I mean by that is the Cardinals have been very reluctant in the past, m- maybe justifiably so, in giving out those six, seven, eight, nine-year contracts that we've seen the superstars get. And this offseason, it's very possible, maybe even likely, that the shortstops do get that term. How do you become comfortable giving that to a player like that? Is there a a specific skill set that makes you feel comfortable? Is it the age? What is it about those players that would get you there? Yeah, age is a huge factor. Obviously, you're you're far more comfortable giving six, seven years to a guy who's 27 than a guy who's 32. It makes a a, a massive difference. And then you you look at there are skill sets that age better than others. And and that's, that's something that you always want to look at as well. It's always a tough thing to do. I think you need to just balance it out. And, 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 you know, you think about some of these long deals and yeah, they might look like bad deals when the player's 34 or when the player's 36, but you got so much out of them before that, that in the end, it was all worth it. You can't kind of measure it, uh, you know, on a year to year basis, you have to kind of measure the overall total of the contract. And, you know, if, if the last three years of the, of the deal are a bad deal, but you got so much out of the first four, it was still a good contract in the end. Do you feel like any of these shortstops in particular have the game that will age more gracefully? You know, it's, 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 it's funny because Correa has the one thing going for him, which is the age. But, you know, he, and he stayed healthy this year, but his, his history overall of, of, of missing games, I think, is going to hurt his ability to get there. Uh, I, I think Story and Seeger are the kind of guys who are going to age more gracefully. Uh, Javi Baez is a real wild card. You know, we know about his strengths and, and, and they're significant. We know about his weaknesses and they're very significant as well. And I, I think he's going to be kind of the strangest one in the, and, and the kind of guy that I think teams are going to be really interested in maybe doing a shorter, higher AAV kind of deal. So, Kevin, my guy BK over here is the president of the Cardinals playoff bandwagon club, and he is still holding (laughs) out hope that this team is going to find a way to get into the wild card race, especially because the Padres have been scuffling. Where's your confidence right now on this Cardinals team turning it on the rest of the way and getting into a wild card game? Let me down easy here, Kevin. Let me down easy. I I mean, I think we need to be realistic here. You know, are the Cardinals up? Yes. Uh, but if you look at the, the, the fan graph playoff odds, which gets calculated every day, uh, that up basically has gone from about 1% to starting this morning at 8%. So, you know, if, if you're playing the horses, they're a 12 to 1 shot. It's a heck of a lot better than being a 100 to 1 shot. Uh, but there's, there's still a long way to go as far as them kind of having a realistic chance. Um, and they're not out of it. And, and, you know, stay hot and you play hot. We've all seen it. We all know about these teams. We've all seen teams down five, ten games even at this point who come back and make the playoffs. And the Cardinals are playing really well right now, and hopefully that thing trends up. But as we sit right now, they have a shot, but it's a long shot. Kevin, the way you said they're not out of it was like when you, when you break up with a girl in high school and your parents say, hey, the, well, the, everything happens for a reason. And she'll come back if she feels like it. She'll miss like you. I felt like he was doing he more loves, of that. It's not you, BK. It it's go. the Cardinals. It's, it's, yeah. it's not your fault. Yeah, if you love it, BK, just let it go. But it's fine.
It's not you, it's me. There we go. <laughs> that's, that's what that was. Kevin Goldstein, the former Astros assistant general manager, is joining us here on 101 ESPN. You can find his work over at Fangraphs.com. I did find it uh, rather interesting yesterday, Kevin. I was reading over at Fangraphs, and you're putting together your depth pieces for all of the contenders. I noticed that you didn't have the Cardinals included <laughs> on that list for the National League. We yeah, we just got to wait for the basic rule. We were going with teams that, that were at 10% or above on the playoff odds, and the, the Cardinals finished uh, just a little bit below that. But you know what? Maybe they stay hot, and we'll write them up later. I, I loved that. Hey, Kevin, last time that we had you on, we talked a lot about the bullpen because it was horrible at that point in time, and they were walking everybody. It was really rough to watch. And since then... They've been much better. They added Luis Garcia. You get TJ McFarland in there. Those two combined this month have thrown 19 innings of scoreless ball. They've walked just one batter combined. And then you have Reyes, Gallegos, and Cabrera. And while Reyes has had some struggles of late, still a good pitcher overall. What have you thought about the way that the Cardinals have been able to kind of piece things together, not just with their bullpen, but also adding Jay Happ and John Lester and LeBlanc there for a while? What have you thought about their ability to kind of piece this thing together while they were dealing with so many injuries? Um, I, mean, I think they've done a, a better job with the bullpen than the rotation. You know, Happ has pitched well for them. Lester has not. Uh, but you, you talk about it, guys like picking guys kind of up with scrap heaps. And, you know, TJ McFarland's a lefty who's, Obviously, been around the block, been uh, with a million organizations, but in general, he's going to throw strikes and get ground balls. You know, he doesn't miss a lot of bats, and at some point, that's a real risk for him. But for now, he's throwing strikes and, like you said, pitching real well. Alex Ray is still just, uh, you know, I don't know how you guys feel watching every game. He just, he scares the crap out of me every time the ninth inning starts and they got a lead because. I mean, look, he's, he's walked 42 in 50-something innings, and uh, it's it, it just, it's terrifying. He creates his own trouble so often. It's it just, yeah, you know, I know overall he's gotten the job done more often, and you know the ERA looks good. But that walk rate, especially in a playoff game, you, you guys know what playoff games. Playoff games are close. Every time a runner gets on base, it creates stress. It's just going to create a lot of stress for him. With the reports of the Cardinals being interested in Reyes as, as a starter next year, Kevin, I, I mean, are you looking at that and all of the walks and saying maybe not? Don't maybe don't look into that Cardinals because of all of those walks this year. <laughs> I think the biggest worry would just be that he'd turn into a five and dive guy where you, you look up and the, the Cardinals are winning four to three and Reyes's line is five innings, two hits, three runs, four walks, six Ks, and he's at 104 pitches. And so, you know, I think Alex Reyes as a starter means that you're going to, you know, really tax the bullpen. You're going to be expecting 12 plus outs every time he goes. We're talking to Kevin Goldstein for just another minute here on 101 ESPN, former Astros assistant GM. You can find his work over on fangraphs.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Kevin underscore Goldstein. Kevin, the last thing that I wanted to get into with you today is um, the, the Cardinals fan base and the attendance of late has been lacking to say the least. And I, I'd love to get the front office perspective on something like this because the announced attendance has still been fine. They're, they're announcing like 25, 28,000. If you look at where they are in terms of baseball right now, they're top seven in the league. So that's all fine. And that's the ticket sold. But if you actually look at what the crowds have been like lately, it looks closer to like 10 or 15,000 fans that have been in the stands. And this was against the Brewers, one of the best teams in baseball. When you're a GM, when you're in the front office, do you do you take note of that even if the tickets sold are still pretty high? 
You do, but you don't take in as much as you want. You know, I think it's it's, it's a bit of a dirty little secret in baseball that, that, you know, fans coming to games represent a large part of your revenue, but they represent a smaller and smaller part of the revenue over the past decade in, in the sense that it's all about TV money and streaming money. That's a far bigger piece of, of your money than, than fans in the stands. And, um, you know, I, I think at a lot of times we need to look at 2020 and 2021 even uh, in terms of attendance as, you know, hopefully a blip and something that it's hard to really make a judgment on because of the pandemic. And, and I know Missouri's had, has having its own, you know, significant problems right now. And so it's, it's hard to really know how much that's influencing things. Um, it's interesting to note that, you know, I've talked to a few teams who are, are in a similar situation where there's not as many people in the stands as, as you, as they'd expect at the same time, you know, all these teams have told me that they're, money per person, if you will, the money spent on parking, food, the things in the team shop, things like that is off the charts. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're, they're kind of per person spending for, for multiple teams. I've talked to is really, really high. I think people are just kind of so excited to be going to baseball again. And that's what's happening. So I, I think, you know, right now you can look at it and, and if you're the Cardinals, you can be concerned. And I, but I also think you have to say, Hey, let's see what happens when we have a, a quote unquote normal year. And hopefully we'll have one in 2022 before we make any sort of real judgments against it. Kevin, before we get you out of here, is there anything else Cardinals related that you find interesting team building wise, whether it be in the minors or their current roster and the decisions that are ahead for them? Is there anything that you, Kevin Goldstein, as a former assistant GM are interested in Cardinals wise? Yeah, I, I am kind of interested in, in, in what their rotation looks like in going forward. You know, in, as far as like, you, you go into 2022, who do you really feel good about in that rotation after Jack Flaherty? Um, it, you know, it, it, you, you're obviously going to get guys back from injury, but like kind of how they end up forming that rotation. If you had to, you know, right now, just you know, take a pencil and a paper and write down who you think that opening day 2022 rotation is, I mean, you could have a whole show over that right now. Yeah. And and so it's going to be really interesting to kind of see how they form that. And, you know, the rotation is kind of the heart of the pitching staff and, and the harder your chances of getting the playoffs. You look at these teams that are ahead of the Cardinals in the playoffs, more often than not, they're putting a starter out there that makes them feel good about getting a win. And you got to feel, you know, figure out who that's going to be for the Cardinals after Jeff Flaherty. Yeah, it's we have certainly had plenty of segments on that, to say the least, Kevin. Hey, thanks so much for the time. As always, my friend, we look forward to talking with you again soon. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Kevin. You got it. That's Kevin Goldstein joining us here on 101 ESPN. Again, former Astros assistant GM, national writer now over at Fangraphs. He's right. If you're looking to the rotation next year, it's Jack Flaherty. I think you're going to include Adam Wainwright as long as he's willing to come back next year. I think Jay Happ's going to be a part of this rotation. Next year. I think Jay Happ is what I laid out yesterday in terms of you bring him back and tell him, look, you're going to be in competition in spring training with Alex Reyes for that fifth rotation spot. And if you perform well, you're there. If not, you're going into the bullpen. I think Jay Happ will be a part of that. Miles Michaelis certainly will. I and really then, think Dakota Hudson is going to be a part of it, especially because they're projecting him to come back this year. I would imagine they're putting that out there to make everyone know that it's like, hey, look, he's going to be healthy. And then next year, like, don't bring him back this year, but next year you bring him and say he's 100%. And I think Alex Reyes is that sixth starter where it's, I agree with you, it's him versus Jay Happ potentially for that last you spot have of the rotation. depth. I mean, that's why you put Oviedo and Woodford down in the minors for the rest of the season to let them perform. And maybe you go out there and you, you bring one other guy in. The problem is what Kevin's alluding to there is you're not comfortable with it. Like Milwaukee next year, you're comfortable with where you're at. 
You know, like the Dodgers, they're comfortable where they're at. Cardinals like, yeah, we got a rotation. You're betting on health. Yeah, we are. your teeth and you're white knuckling through the season and you're just hoping that you don't get hit with the injury. Might as well put them all in the circle. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, we'll dive into the junk drawer. But coming up next, let's get back into the Tyler O'Neill conversation. I asked this of Kevin Goldstein. He was kind of on par with all of us. You like Tyler O'Neill. You appreciate what he's done this year. I'd like to see one more year of it before talking extension with him. Let's hear from you guys. 65780 is your comfort service tax line. The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. Are you ready to talk extension with Tyler O'Neill? That's next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Huge thanks to Kevin Goldstein, former Astros assistant GM for joining us. If you missed any of that conversation, conversation, rather, I feel like Tanner in his update, check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app. It's all presented by, I promise. That's what happens. stumbled over his words and you stumbled over your words during your update. Hey man, it's fine. We're not made. We're not perfect. Okay. So we talked with Kevin Goldstein a bit about this and we mentioned it about 30 minutes ago. Tyler O'Neill, he's on a tear this year. He's batting 275 now, which is great. He's got an on-base percentage above 340, and he's now on pace for 26 doubles, 28 home runs, 12 stolen bases, and 131 games. That is a monster season, and he's playing gold glove defense in left field. He's doing everything that the Cardinals said he would and really almost exceeding some of what their expectations were for him. So my question is, he's getting ready to go into his first year of arbitration do you approach him now about ex- an extension this offseason? And the guy that I comped him to was Randall Gritchick, money-wise. He got a five-year, $52 million deal from the Toronto Blue Jays. Tyler O'Neill's about to enter the first year of arbitration this offseason, Alex. He's got three more years of it. And he's going to make a decent, decent amount of money in arbitration because of the season that he just had. The closest comp is Chris Davis in terms of the season that he had prior to his first year of arbitration. He ended up making $5 million in year one, $10 million in year two, and $15 million in year three of arbitration. That's because he was hitting 40 bombs a season, though. And I don't know if Tyler O'Neill is ever going to get to that. In terms of the OPS Plus, O'Neill's actually been better this year than what Chris Davis was for Ooh. the A's shut my mouth then so that was a three-year 30 million dollar deal in arbitration for chris davis but the a's decided to take that year to year through arbitration and then eventually gave him an extension would you guys be interested in going five years 52 million dollars right now avoid that arbitration money and buy out two years of free agency from tyler o'neill this offseason as he's entering his age 27 season next year so you'd have age 27 8 9 30 and 31 from him basically his prime i wouldn't i think i'm gonna let it play out i think i would just let the arbitration years play out with tyler o'neill because i don't know if it's going to hurt you in the long run and look if it gets to free agency and he becomes a guy that you have to lock up i, I you might have to bite the bullet there but i don't think it's going to be oh well you're gonna have to pay him 150 million dollars because i don't know if he's ever going to turn into that guy maybe he turns into a 75 million dollar player once you get to free agency but if you're going to pay him that money he's worth it so i think i would let it play out and just go year by year with tyler o'neill and look if he sets the world on fire next year then i'm going to approach him and say okay that's two consecutive years tyler that you have you have changed your identity at the plate 
You've already been a gold glover. We know the defense is there, but you've changed the identity at the plate. Then we'll pay you. But I'm going to take this year by year and see if he forces me to re-sign him. Yeah, that's kind of how I am, too. Take it year by year. And I, I think that's kind of the way to play a lot of people, out, a lot of these contracts out, unless you have an absolute superstar. Like if you had an Albert Pujols, of course, O'Neill is not going to be that. I would do what you said, Alex, play it year by year. And if it turns out I'm going to have to bite the bullet and pay $150 million because he develops into that player, then fine, so be it. Then I will do it then. But I want to wait and see if he can continue to be consistent over these three years of arbitration. I think that's totally fair. And I want to see it for one more year. I'd be willing to buy out the arbitration years after next season if he posts another year of a 270 hitter with 25 to 30, maybe even more home runs. If he can do that next year and he plays 130, 140 games, he's able to stay healthy. That's my biggest concern with a deal like this is the health side of things for O'Neal. If he can do that, all right, now we can talk extension. But I want to see one more season before I'm ready to go there because I think the risk on this, like the reason why you get ahead on these things is because of the fear that it's going to cost you so much more down the line. The risk on this, in my opinion, is that he eventually becomes like a 16 to $18 million player per year. That's the Charlie Blackman, Dexter Fowler, Marcelo Zuna, that kind of range of salary. I think you could see that if Tyler O'Neill does this for one more season. So maybe instead of a five-year, $50 million extension, you're talking about a five-year, $80 million extension next year. It is more expensive, and it's it's going to be more costly for you. And maybe then you're getting further into his career where there are more injury questions. That's the risk you run. But by waiting, I think you do give yourself a little bit of uh, cushion there and a little bit more security that he's going to be able to do this long term. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line to get involved. And we have a bunch of people that have um, gotten their thoughts in on this possibility. I like this one. It says, signed that blanker. Have you seen his calf muscles? That's how we're judging it? If that's Not the- even the biceps, the calves? I mean, his calves are ridiculous. Or his biceps. Plus, he always thinks it's sick to go back-to-back with the boys. True that. Lock him up. Which makes a lot of sense. Uh, 65780 <laughs> is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. Guys, Tyler O'Neill's worked a lot on his approach. More than half of his walks this year have come within the last month. I would be more than happy to do that because of the changes that I've seen from him this season. I, I think that's a fair point to look at. Um, it six, was back to that injury, BK. I mean, that injury in the beginning of the season, and I know we say how much it, you know, we, we need him to stay healthy for a full year, but that injury changed my opinion on him because he came back from there and he was a different player. And like, uh, part of me is glad that that injury happened because he finally got me to buy into what Tyler O'Neill could provide. Uh, and I said at the beginning of that injury, I was kind of out on him because of the injuries that kept piling up. I think you were starting Lane Thomas. No, no, he played one game and then BKO'd him and then he was gone. This one comes from the three, one, four guys. His injuries are mostly fluke injuries. There's some truth to that. And you're underrating him as a player. Look at beyond his numbers and the counting stats. He's also the best player on the team. He's been a complete player for the Cardinals this year. Legit gold glove defense. And he plays with energy every single night. I think that's an interesting perspective on this as well. The thing about Tyler O'Neill that I love is the style that he plays. He really is a passionate player. When he has a game-winning catch, we saw this, I think it was the Dodgers game earlier this season. You guys remember that catch that he made and the Broke way the that wall. he... It, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, he flexed and you saw those calf muscles and you're like, sign him! I think there's some, there is value 
in the energy and the passion that he plays with. I don't know that it's worth $50 million. Like That's not why you're paying somebody, but it's an added benefit, and I like having those kinds of players. It also, I think it was um, Adam Wainwright was on the fast lane the other day, and he was talking about guys on the team that are great, in his opinion, at breaking down film. They have a really good process. He specifically mentioned yes. Tyler O'Neill as a guy that's really figured things out from the film perspective of things. And that's something that they know inside of the clubhouse that on the outside, we don't see that stuff. That's pregame process. It's the preparation that we talked so much about earlier this year. If he's gotten much better at that stuff, and that's part of the development, that's also a significant piece of what they're going to be considering whenever they go into any sort of a negotiation like this with Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, and I think that was big for me too, like him specifically calling him out. And again, the examples are there for you. And the texture's right. When you look at the walks, they've come all in the second portion of the season, which is kind of what Adam Wainwright was talking about. This guy is spending a lot of time in the film room. And the part that I think we always do forget is he's still really young. Right, like it, it's the same with Harrison Bader. They're still young. He's twenty six years old. That's big time. I, and I mean, look, his arbitration years take him to be the age of twenty nine, thirty. So, like, that's prime Tyler O'Neill for you to let it play out. And if for some reason he turns into an MVP candidate, then you approach it. But for right now, I just don't know if I'm going to jump to that. I'm just going to let it play out and see where Tyler O'Neill goes with it. Because the hungrier the player, the better he's going to be. Final Write thought. That on, down. The final thought on this from the six three six guys. I think it would be foolish to give him an extension before they have to. If he repeats this next year, then go ahead and pay the man. The best teams pay stars into their twenties, but it is too early right now to call Tyler O'Neill a legitimate star. I think that's a good point. I think Tyler O'Neill is on the cusp of turning into not a superstar but a star hitter, star player at a minimum, potentially an all-star. I think he could be that next year. And if he does that for one more season, I'd be interested in signing him to a longer-term deal. By the way, I asked this on Twitter, at BK Sports Doc, uh, whether or not you would be interested in this. So far, 72% of the answers are yes. They would be interested in signing uh, Tyler O'Neill to a five-year, $52 million contract. I was a little surprised by those numbers. Coming up next, let's cross... Coming up next, let's dive into the junk shore here on 101 ESPN. You don't need those kind of muscles to play ball. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. So we had something planned for the junk drawer today. We're going to go ahead and toss that out. Maybe we'll get to it next oh, week. Come on, I had a great story. Janet. Oh, Janet. Janet has, has sent some mic drops. I love Janet. Let's just go ahead and bask in the glory of these two mic drops. Earlier today, we talked about Tyler O'Neill and a possible contracts extension. And somebody earlier today asked us, do we think that Albert Pools makes sense as a DH next year? So we'll hear a couple of these from Janet. We'll allow you guys to enjoy them with us. Let's start out with Tyler O'Neill. Unfortunately, the Cardinals sign players too soon, and I would not extend O'Neal at this point in time. I would wait and see how he does in another year. And in the meantime, I would talk to him about the weight room. He needs to calm down on that. He's building too big a muscles that are causing them to be torn and causing problems with them. 
You don't need those kind of muscles to play ball. No, he does, Janet. He's the Canadian Hulkster. He's, he can hang off the outfield wall and catch a home run ball. Like the other night yeah. where he merely, he he looks like Spider-Man scaling the wall. Look, you put my skinny body or BK's chicken legs out there. Okay, that's We're not going to be able to hang off of that. Tanner, maybe, because he thinks he's an athlete. I am. Not us. Tanner thinks he can go up against Olympia. Tanner is an idiot. Whoa. simple. No, you could. That's it, man. All right, Randy let's Carriger get Janet's once said, You're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot. 100% complete and total idiot. Not necessary. Um, just to clarify there, make sure we got the full understanding. Let's hear Janet's thoughts on Albert Pujols. If the Cardinals want to put butts in the seat next year, sign in Pujols as the designated hitter, that would do it all right. 100%. We've got Janet on board. Pujols puts butts in the seats. Hold off on Tyler O'Neill. Yep. Too muscular. Can't have it. Yep. Gotta get hurt too often. Just get rid of those biceps, Tyler. Nobody needs to see that. Gotta wait another year. And then once we once we scale back on the weight room, maybe then we can talk contract extension I've with Tyler said, O'Neill. I've always said that if you want butts in Bush Stadium, get poo holes. Small for Tyler O'Neill. More butts no, in the seats for Albert biceps. Pujols. You can't exercise your butt. Doing the wrong exercises, man. Am Doing I? the wrong exercises. What do you do to exercise your butt? Coming up in fi- oh, I'll show you on the that? break. Coming no, up here in that. 15 minutes or so, Gross. we'll go around the NFL, some of the top storylines around the league. But coming up next, sounds like Yadier Molina extension is coming very soon. That's not unexpected. We all kind of thought that would be the case. What's this mean for Andrew Kisner, especially given how often we've seen him play lately? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. You don't need those kind of muscles to play ball. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. So we got the report yesterday from Katie Wu that the Cardinals were working on a contract extension, a one-year extension with uh, Yadier Molina. It's about to say Adam Wainwright. I'm sure they're doing that, but that was not reported. Don't. Don't. Get the fan base's hope up. Yadier Molina is the one that's working on a potential extension with the Cardinals right now. That makes sense. We all kind of assumed if he wants to be back, the Cardinals will probably have him back next year. I do wonder what this means for Andrew Kisner. Because since the start of August, Kisner has been playing one out of every three games. Each series, he gets one start. And that means that Yachty gets the other two games. I think that was done intentionally. This is me kind of having my own version of the tinfoil Ferrario theory. Well, you didn't ask permission to use that, so you can't. I apologize. My theory on this is that the Cardinals started negotiating this at the beginning of the month with Yachty. And they told Yachty, hey. Next year, if we're going to do this, it's got to be more of a timeshare with Andrew Kisner. And you've shown no inclination in the past that you're willing or open to doing that. So we need to see that you're open to doing this down the stretch this season to assure us that next year, if we want to go this route, you're going to be amenable to it. And what we've seen is that it's worked out pretty well. Yadier Molina is able to stay fresher by playing two out of every three days instead of playing like six out of every seven 
it's been better for him. I think it's going to be better for Andrew Kisner or whoever the Cardinals backup catcher is next year to be able to get more opportunities instead of sitting on the bench for 10 straight games. I think this is better for the Cardinals that they do go about it that way. Do you think Kisner is going to be the guy to do that, though? When you saw when you saw this news yesterday, what did you think about this meaning for Andrew Kisner? I'm the polar opposite of UBK. I think he's traded. I really think Andrew Kisner is going to be gone after this season. I think that if Yachty's back for one more year, they're hoping that that is bridging the gap to Yvonne Herrera. Herrera, who has been really good in double-A this year, maybe he goes to Memphis in September, maybe he starts in Memphis next year and plays out all of next year. I think if the Cardinals are going to upgrade and they're not going to spend the $200 million on one of these shortstops, Andrew Kisner is going to be a part of a trade package to go out there, find your offensive upgrade and your defensive upgrade at shortstop, and you sign yourself a cheap veteran option to back up Yachty who can do the same thing that Andrew Kisner can do, but you get something in return with that and you don't have to play in the market. I just think it's multifaceted with this and Andrew Kisner because other teams saw the success that Carson Kelly has had, and I know Carson Kelly was a lot higher up in the rankings than Andrew Kisner has ever been. But the Cardinals know that he's been working behind or other teams know he's been working behind Yachty or Molina. So for me, I don't think Kisner's a part of this team next year. I think Kisner's a part of another team and he helps get you that piece infield uh wise offensive upgrades. I still think Kisner will be here next year. I, I think although I think it makes sense to look to move him, I, I think the way the Cardinals will play it out is they will give him that one final opportunity. You're gonna do what you said, split a little bit more time with Yachty, see how you look, and then if you don't look good, even then the year after, you still have a guy that has a little bit of experience at the big league level that can start while you kind of groom Herrera into that role. Again, I think it makes more sense to look to move him while his value would still be, it's probably not at its highest, but a little bit higher than it being at it, at the valley there. I, I just think that you look at Kisner and you say, okay, well, we know he has big league experience. We don't want to just thrust Herrera into the role in two years. Rather, have him kind of groom under somebody. Maybe that's Kisner. Maybe it is Yachty again still. But I think they'll look at it and they'll say, we can keep Kisner on the team. Worst case scenario, you view him as kind of like a Tony Cruz. You kind of develop him. He's kind of your guy for a couple of years, never really produces offensively, solid backup, and then you just walk away from him at some point. Yeah, I'm torn on this one. I really am. I think he makes a lot of sense as a backup because he's going to cost you $500,000 next year. And he's perfectly fine in that role. I think you'd like to see more offense out of him. Because he's he's just okay defensively, and you thought that his bat was going to be the thing that carried him, and so far this year, it just hasn't been. He hasn't really hit for a whole lot of power at any point in time. His average is pretty low still, and it's a difficult job. It's kind of like what we've talked about so much with the pinch hitting. It's really tough to be good in that role. And being the backup for Yadier Molina is basically like being a pinch hitter because you play so rarely. I would like to see him back next year to be in that role if he's going to play more often because I think he'd be better offensively for you. I think you'd see the the full potential of what Kisner can be. I also think it means that you'd get more in a trade for him potentially because you've got less term on his contract at that point. You would then only have three more years of control if or whoever it is that's trading for him. But if he does show out next year and he ends up playing – 60 games maybe for the Cardinals 50 or 60 games and he has a better offensive season now maybe you're able to get more in return maybe it's like a a legit major league reliever that you're able to get for him whatever it may be and I think I think that might be the better route 
I just wonder if that's what the Cardinals are going to do. I wonder if they want the immediate return for somebody that can help their big league club more next year when they think, ah, we can go get a veteran catcher that gives us basically what Kisner does for $2 million, and we'll just do it that way. Well, I don't know. And there's guys out there that you can sign to back up Yadier Molina. Like, sure. like Kurt Suzuki could be a backup for you, and he's been a backup in the last couple of years, and I'm sure he'd be fine with that at the age that he is. It's very much, it's very similar to what Matt Wieters was, but then the focus for the Cardinals can be to, to work on Ivan Herrera and make sure he's ready to go the year prior. The one for me, and maybe this is too tinfoil, but if you're going to look to upgrade at shortstop and maybe you can package something together, why not call Cleveland and look into Jose Ramirez? I get he's a third baseman, but he can play shortstop. Maybe he's an option for you. There, there's, there's, there's cheaper options probably on the trade market that you can find with a package deal rather than going out there. And we know the Cardinals are Ramirez gonna, is just like he's going to cost Reyes or Liberator, Kisner, Gorman, plus more. Jesus, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean he's he's one of the best hitters yeah, in the sport. He, he's only got one year left, and I don't think Cleveland's going to be bringing him back. I think he has two years left, right? Am I wrong on that? I could be I wrong on that. Uh, he's got a great contract. I don't remember how much is left. Yeah, he's got 2022 and 2023, both club options left on his contract, and he's 29 years old next year. But so 2020, it's going to take a ton to yeah, be able to get him. But maybe Cleveland's think. I mean, if they've already shipped off Francisco Lindor, and I mean, if they're going into the offseason thinking they're going to want to do a little bit of a change, it's something to look into. What I'm saying, though, is... I just think your better bet is to go out there because we all know Yachty's not going to agree to timeshare. Now, I know he's been doing it now, but he's gotten beaten up a lot. Like after an offseason where he's fully prepared him after this year to do that, though. I don't think so. I don't think you can. I think if he's coming back, he's going to come back as the starting catcher. And, you know, maybe he agrees to do 10 less games in a season, but it's not going to be 60, 40 percent. Like Yachty's coming back to be Yachty. That's why he's coming back. And he's going to solidify the Hall of Fame like a uh, career that he has. So Andrew Kisner, as cheap as he is, he's not going to be a benefit to you off of the bench. I mean, we've seen that. You got to play the guy for him to be successful. So your better bet is to go out there and get a veteran backup who can play that role of a bench bat and a pinch hitter on top of every you know one or two days a week, but then ship Andrew Kisner off and find an upgrade elsewhere offensively. Yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense if you're able to get a, a real tangible upgrade. If Kisner is a guy that another team views as being valuable in a trade, if he if he's somebody that another team is specifically targeting, yeah, trade him this offseason. Makes all the sense in the world. I just don't know how much value... I, I legitimately don't know how much value he has for other teams right now because he's 26 years old He's no longer really a prospect the way that he once was. I I just don't know what kind of value he's going to have for you in a deal. I think you could throw him in. He's somebody that holds a little bit of value. But I wonder if if you're able to convince Yachty next year, and this is going to be tough, but given what we've seen over the last few weeks, maybe you can do it. If you can convince him, hey, play 100 games next year, Kisner's going to get 60 of them. And you're able to see more out of Kisner as a result of that. I think that's when you start getting value in a trade for him. And that would be next offseason in 2022. And I don't know what you'd get specifically, but you could get something more of value for him. And you're not selling him at his lowest point. You're selling him a little higher in terms of the valuation. So that that's what I would like to see them do. 
But it all depends on whether or not they actually think Yachty would go with that plan. And you're right. They've done that before. They've tried it, and it never seems to go Does that Mike way once Sh- you get and, into the season. And would Mike Schilt even go for that? Because Mike Schilt question. loves his vets. BT made a great point yesterday to Jamie Rivers and I. The other conversation you're going to have to have if he's back is like, hey, you're not a five-hole hitter. You're not a six-hole hitter. You're a seven- or eight-hole hitter for us this year. But you got to go get other bats to force him into that role rather than just tell him he's not in that role. Yeah, and you mentioned the Kisner and his value. I don't think his value is at its lowest yet just because I get it. He's older, but he does have the team-friendly kind of contract, team control. And that's the thing we always talk about with Paul DeYoung. Well, you're not so much acquiring for him what he's doing now. It's his contract what he's done in the past. I still think teams would look at that with Kisner. They'd say team control that we have with him could be a starting caliber catcher. That's how the Cardinals viewed him. And granted, his offense hasn't been good in the majors, but we saw what he did in AAA, and we think that back can translate. It makes sense. If another if another team out there views him as being a starting caliber catcher and has, has value in him, I think you trade him this offseason. Unless... Tampa Bay calls with Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie or Milwaukee, the you Tampa Milwaukee. Bay of yeah. the True. National True. League, or the new Tampa. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, we'll play a game of one got to go. You give us four options, we'll tell you which one's got to go. That's coming up in 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, we're going around the NFL with this question: Which quarterback in 2021 could end up becoming the next Carson Wentz or Jared Goff, where they're suddenly looked at as not being the answer anymore next offseason? Nobody's as bad as Goff. We'll tell you next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tax line. You give us four options, we'll tell you which one's got to go. That's coming up in about ten minutes or so. But let's go around the NFL. I found a few questions from some national analysts that I would like to get your takes on, Alex. I am Tanner. a national analyst for football. Let's start out with this one. Samesies. Which NFL quarterback this season do you think could become the next Carson Wentz or Jared Goff? Where we look at them as being the next big thing. And then suddenly the rug is pulled out from underneath them and they are let go. They're not viewed any longer as being a franchise quarterback the following offseason. So who are the guys that we're in on right now? But by the end of this year, we might be looking at them as sa- and saying, Ugh, probably not the answer in that place. <coughs> Tua. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tua Tagovailoa. You butchered his last name. Eh, close enough. Eh, tomato, tomato. Yeah, tomato, tomato. <laughs> Tua ain't going to be swimming with the Dolphins no more. <laughs> He's not a part of the Miami Dolphins that was next a year. Good one, I, I just Damn don't. It. I think he's <laughs> he's the one. He's the one to me that all this hype surrounding him. Oh, they've they've added to the offense. He's going to be better next year, and then next year he's going to be in the city of angels playing. Uh, I don't even know about football. Mine's Tim Tebow. Just kidding. I think mine's. I think mine's Baker Mayfield. I, I, I think Baker Mayfield. We were bought in because of what he did last year, advancing in the playoffs. He's going into a contract year. A lot of people are thinking this is going to be his big year. I don't think it's going to be. I think this is the year that Cleveland says, I'm glad we didn't give you the contract extension. It's not going to work out here. We're going to go another way because they have the team to win. I don't think he's the quarterback to help them win. So I'm going to ask you guys a question of, do you believe this counts? Does Daniel Jones count? I think so. For something like this. I mean, I don't know if people actually believe that's the thing outside of New York. I don't think anybody is looking at Daniel Jones right now, even and saying, oh, he's a franchise level quarterback. But I think the New York Giants believe that he can be their quarterback. Daniel Jones never had a Carson Wentz or a Jared Goff here. Totally fair. I don't know. I mean, he plays a lot like Jared Goff. 
not I think Goffman into a Super Bowl. I think next year the Giants True. just to kind of follow up on this. I think the Giants are going to be looking for their next franchise quarterback. So if he if he does count, that would be my answer. If he doesn't count, though, the one team that I'm really paying attention to, and you know I love Joe Burrow. I'm curious to see how this is going to go in Cincinnati this year. There are some warning signs that this is going to go south. Well, Joe would have Burrow been, would have been better if he would have got a left tackle. Amen to that. He's talked all offseason about how his knee's not totally right in preseason and in training camp. He says mentally he's just not there yet with his knees, not trusting it. And that's the biggest hurdle to overcome for a lot of these guys. They just don't feel right mentally. It's less about the physical side of things and more mentally. And to your point, Alex, now he has a bad offensive line in front of him. So he's going to have a lot of traffic down by his legs. I don't love that. I don't love their coach. I don't love their situation as a whole this year. I think this could be a rough year for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals once again. And if it is, I worry about what that means for him in the long-term future. So Burrow would be somebody that I would watch for this answer just to go some, somewhere different. All right. I've got the quarterback issue solved here for next year. Tua is going to just swim up the coast to New York. Yikes. And then we're going to see Daniel Jones. Eh, he'll probably be out of the league. Joe Burrow. He'll go swim with the Dolphins, and he'll play for them. What the hell Cincinnati does, I have no idea. Somebody on the text line mentioned Kyler Murray as a possibility that's for a, this. That's a, I believe that one as well. Kirk Cousins is another one for me, too. Yeah, I already know he's overrated. Well, some people don't. Oh, That's fair. Are you referring to that one text? Yeah. Sam Darnold's another one. Carolina, I think. I think that rug's already been pulled out from him, though. I'm with you. I think there are some that believe maybe it works out in a, a different circumstances with a better coach than Adam Gase, who all, was a nightmare. It's all because of that mono we got. I don't think that's going to work out. The what, Panthers will have a new starting quarterback next year. What about well. Ryan Tannehill? He's another one, maybe, for me. Yeah, but Tannehill's just so to the playbook. You know, like, you can't. I'd be surprised if he, if the floor falls completely out from him, I the mean, way he, it did with Goff or he does exactly what he is supposed to. You know, like the success is just there because he's so black and white. Yeah, I, I, it's an interesting one to bring up because he doesn't have no, the same offensive coordinator that he did previously that gave him so much success. But adding in Julio, I think, helps a lot there. I think yeah, that ups I, his floor. I agree, a but bit. he's someone that uh, Tennessee that could be the one position they look at and say that's what we need that gets us over the hump that's quarterback sticking with the quarterback position ryan clark the former nfl safety now great espn analyst tweeted this out the other day how many teams can honestly say that their best player is their quarterback right now not the most important because there's a lot of teams that can say their quarterback really almost every team can say their quarterback is their most important player how many of them can say their quarterback is their best player going into this upcoming season? And that's a great question. I mean, I, I would hear the argument for Pat Mahomes, but I could argue that Travis Patrick Kelsey. Mahomes, definitely. I'd argue Travis Kelsey's up there with him, though. I mean, I guess if I look at the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson is their best player. Yeah. I would hear an argument for Seattle that I think Russell Wilson is their best player. And I know people would say DK Metcalf, but Russell Wilson's Russ done a lot with nothing before. I mean, would you say Aaron Rodgers? Because I feel like Devontae Adams is a better receiver than Rodgers as a quarterback. I would put Rodgers on the list. Um, what about Tampa Bay? See, that's what I was thinking. But I mean, look, you, you have to put his name there. You got to right? go Brady, right? I think but so. But think of the receivers he's got, too. But, I mean, I think you have to put Tom and on Brady. on defense, they have studs yeah. at every level. Well, and somebody just said, I forgot who it was on their team, but somebody just said that, that Tristan Wirfs is, is going to be a Hall of Famer. Like, he's can amazing. We, what else can we do with this, Tampa? Buffalo? I think Diggs is, Diggs is better than player. Josh Allen. 
I think Diggs is better than Josh Allen. Diggs is the reason Josh Allen had an awesome year last year. That's fair. I, I can go down that path I'd with say you. Baker, obviously. <laughs> okay. Wait, sarcasm, honestly? boys. How do you guys Sarc- feel about the Chargers? That's who I was thinking of. Is Herbert that guy for them? I think I'd stay with Bosa. I was he was Keenan hurt Allen. last year. Um, That's why I kind of think it might be Herbert because Bosa was hurt. I think the Chargers might be added to this list midseason. I don't know that I'm ready to put Herbert there just yet. And you know, I love me some Justin Herbert. I don't know that it's I'm willing to much. go there just yet with Justin yeah, Herbert. Really Give me about eight weeks or so. And I, I think uh, I'd get there. How about when, when Justin Fields takes over? Will you put him? Allen Robinson Mack. is awesome. I guess Khalil, Mack, Khalil is Mack is great. So it'd be a, a pretty high bar to clear for him. Yeah. The Cowboys, would you go with Dak Prescott as I being the so. best player on the Dallas Cowboys? I think I think Zeke had a down year last year. I think Zeke's still the best player. See, I think Zeke's on the trajectory of uh, Todd Gurley. Not the knee injuries that are bothering him, but... Yeah, but he, his offensive line was terrible. Year, was yeah, he? but his offensive line was terrible. Yeah, I, I just view him as kind of Todd Gurley. He, you know, he, he's already hit that peak. And his Stalt says, don't draft running backs. And then now he's on the downturn. What don't about, pay running backs. What about a you new draft? draft. Don't pay him. No, what no, about no. a New England? No, BK hates running backs, <laughs> especially Frank Gore. Don't forget, <laughs> oh, I, don't I forget, Frank I forgot Gore. about Frank Gore Fridays. I hate stat compilers. Uh, <laughs> that's mean. What about uh, the New England quarterback? Insert name here. Hmm. Man, that ta- that roster is just not that talented. That's what anymore. I'm saying. I think your quarterback's your best player. What about? No, we're on the, the Patriots corner. right oh, no, now. No, I'm saying no. I'm thinking Patriots. Oh, Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, Stephon yeah, Gilmore, Gilmore that's is probably the answer. He had a down year last year. I thought for he them. didn't play last year. I, was say, did he, I thought he, he out. thought he opted out. He was there. They had a lot of guys that did opt out. It was out. terrible last year. Then. Um, <laughs> I, he opted out. Yeah, I would probably still say Gilmore mm. is their best player. Not many teams. They ha- also have some pretty good offensive linemen. David Andrews, Shaq Mason are both very good on the O-line. So I, I wouldn't put their quarterback There's there. There's only a couple yet. of teams that I can sit here and, and easily say quarterback is their best player. You we, you just mentioned a rookie quarterback with Mac Jones. I'm assuming you were referencing say, Mac Jones. Don't say Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville might be that guy. And it's maybe not just because of his talent. It might be just the Well, he didn't look too good in his first him. preseason game. Yeah, Although but I Tebow didn't block that. for him, so that's, yeah, that's a great true. one. He no, might not. be. It's great one. Miles Jack's a really good player, yeah, the linebacker out of UCLA. But two, two. He really might be their best player. Come on, Zach Wilson of the Jets, maybe too. Someone said Derek Carr. There's no way Derek Carr is the best player on the Raiders. No. Jordan Waller is so, or Darren Waller is so much better than yeah. uh, Derek Carr. Heck, no, I, I would even Josh say that. Yeah, them. their running back's better than their quarterback. The Josh Jacobs situation is weird. I don't Why? understand what they're doing with him. Are you saying I shouldn't draft him tonight? I wouldn't draft Josh Jacobs <laughs> this year in any league that I'm in. Now I got to go back to the drawing board. They've added way too many running backs. He has no role in the passing game. I'm out on Josh Wait, Jacobs. Wait, who did this they add to the football. backfield this well, they year? They drafted what's his face? They, put, didn't they? they got Kenyon Drake oh, in yeah, the backfield. Right. Didn't they draft Gave him back two in the second round or first round? It doesn't make any sense. I think that's it. I think my list would be Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. And then I'm going to include Tom Brady and Dak Prescott on my list. That, I think it's Lawrence? six guys. And Trevor Lawrence. So seven guys. Yeah, we really forgot wants that. about another one, too. Drew Locks, clearly the best player okay. on the roster. Amen to that. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Come Hendrickson on. and Brandon Kylie. Once you get the Drew Lock mentioned, that means that the segment is over. Let's coming go. up in 15 minutes, we'll cross things over with the fast lane. But coming up next, you give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One got to go to finish out the week next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
that big pen. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. It's our favorite segment of the week. It is called One's Gotta Go. Let's start with this one. One Gotta Go Food I Edition. Like not what is Chili, this? spaghetti, fried chicken, or tacos. That is the most random one to go. I've yeah, ever heard, heard in, in my those? life. Said food edition. Um, well, look, if either of you get rid of spaghetti, you will be swimming with the fishes this weekend, so stay away from I'm that. I'm swimming with the fishes, boys. Um, fried chicken, chili, and what was the last one? Tacos, Tacos and spaghetti. Why are you what? not getting rid of spaghetti? I think I'm going to get rid of chili. What? Chili's only like a a, a, a seasonal dish. Like, you don't oh, eat chili fantastic. in the spring or the summer. You do it in the winter. Maybe in the fall, but you do it in the winter. And you can put it on a hot dog. Jeez. Yeah, I'm going to get rid of chili here because the other three are too freaking good to get rid of. See, I'm the opposite. I'm getting rid of spaghetti. I'm not that big a fan. Little noodle with some red sauce? Nah. <laughs> little noodle. Bite me. I'll have chili instead. Did you just say? That's a great nickname for you. That's a great nickname for you, T-Bone. Little, little noodle. noodle. The little noodle. With an L-I-L apostrophe. Yeah, little Like noodle. the rapper. <laughs> little noodle. Um, DJ Little Noodle on the board. That is better than T-Drizzle for my rapper name. That's your rapper name? Yeah, yeah you didn't know that? Go back to the drawing board on that, man. <laughs> I would go chili on this as well. Although my second option would be spaghetti. And I know that that... You're Italian, I man. Know, I know. Your I nose know. says it all. Sorry. That was Bring a, up my that nose was, on this show that was far unnes- too often. That was unnecessary, man. I'm sorry. Chili's fine. <laughs> the silence. I thought you were upset. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. But you're right. It is a seasonal dish. For me, spaghetti's kind of seasonal as well. I don't really eat spaghetti outside of the winter. Like I'm not going home in the summer when it's 105 degrees outside with 100% humidity and it feels like 120 degrees on my run. And You're I'm like, spaghetti. oh, Boom. spaghetti. Time night, to get that spaghetti, boys. It's not really the route that I go. So I'll go chili, but spaghetti is a close second for me. I'm just not a big spaghetti guy. Get out of here. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for one's got to go. One got to go footwear edition. Dress shoes. Workout shoes, beach sandals, or bedroom slippers. Which ones gotta go? Oh man, I was ready to get rid of this, the beach sandals because I hate me some flip flops, but I'm getting rid of the bedroom slippers. Who wears slippers still? That's terrible. Your feet get all sweaty. What's the point? Let's keep socks on. Bedroom slippers are dumb. They gotta go here. I think I'm with you. You're the bedroom slipper. You seem like was... a bedroom slippers kind of guy, like a night robe too. Somebody Actually, T Bone seems like the guy that wears like that nighty that just like has no bottoms to it. <laughs> wears a cap like Ebenezer Scrooge. No, am that's I wrong? Yes, you're wrong. Okay, I, I would say get rid of bedroom slippers too. I'm going dress shoes. What? what? I'd love me a good pair of dress shoes. No, he's the guy that dresses like what you just said. Yeah, you're the guy that matches brown belt with a black suit, aren't you? I, you know I can't dress. I wear a t-shirt and khaki shorts every day in the summer. Actually, I wear a t-shirt a and a hoodie and jeans every day in the winter. Yeah, I was talking with Tommy a little bit ago. He'd actually like you to dress up like more of a workplace okay, environment. Mr. I wore my wife's t-shirt to work I today. I did, boys. It's a, it's still a one-on-one <laughs> I t-shirt. I look, don't want to hear anything from you. Look, it's still a one-on-one t-shirt, but like I have a large and she has a medium. Medium. Yeah, schmedium. But I put it on. I'm like, man, this feels a little tight. And realized that it was her shirt when I got to work. It's fine, guys. Yeah, you're going to be the one that uh, influences 
my fashion wear. Okay. By the way, somebody from the 314 says, does BK really look like the penguin from Batman? <laughs> no, we've established last night, yeah. me, yeah. BK, yeah, and Ryder looked at me and said, yeah, I can see it. Me, BK, Boy. and Jamie Rivers, we established last night. <laughs> Can't say I'm on the air right now, but I've got some thoughts for Ryder. We, we established last night that BK's nose is not as big as Craig Council's. I'm not sure. After further consideration, I think it's pretty similar. You know, I didn't want to be the guy that said that, but I actually think it's pretty close. <laughs> I wanted you to be the one, so I'm glad you addressed that. Yeah, I did a little bit more investigating last night. Yeah. I think it's a pretty fair comp. Yeah. Pretty so, fair comp. I'm really sorry, buddy. All right, one's got to go fruit edition. Oh, T-Bone's out on this because they're actually, you know, healthy. Peaches, apples, grapes, or watermelon? I had peaches last night. A peach last night. You know, I'm not a big fan of over there eating seven peaches. That's weird. Not a big fan of peaches. Really? Yeah, never have been. There's like only a select kind of fruit that I'll eat. Peaches, I think, got to go here because I, I love me some watermelon. Grapes are the ultimate number one. And boy, apples with peanut butter, guys, may sound like a little kid dish, but it is yeah. delicious. So yeah, peaches got to go. I'm not a big peach guy. I, I'm i not a big peach guy, but I don't like eating watermelon. I, I think I would get rid of watermelon over those two or over those four. I mean, so... Grapes I like. I don't remember what the other one was. Apples, peaches. Apples, apples are good. Peaches are okay. I, I'd get rid of watermelon. Yeah, out of the, this group, I actually have to get rid of the peaches. I know I said them last. I said I had them last night, but you guys good. know I bring apples, grapes, or watermelon with my lunch basically every day. So. Kind of ridiculous. Like I'm sick of looking at you eating fruit. Let alone whatever happened yesterday. I don't remember what we were talking about. We were eating and. BK just randomly pulls out this big bucket of watermelon to flex on us that he's eating healthy. We're yeah, over here time. munching on chips. BK hey, just goes, I had almonds. That's what it was. Almonds. <laughs> yeah. freaking You're healthy. You're eating your nuts. That's right. One's got to go streaming service edition. Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, or HBO. Which one's got to go? I'm getting rid of Netflix. And Frank, I actually canceled my next Netflix account the other day. They just haven't been putting good movies on there anymore. Like, it, they'll put some on that are like, oh, cool, we could binge watch every once in a while. They just haven't been putting anything good on there anymore. Netflix has countless, countless movies. And they're terrible. That is true. Everything you can get on Netflix, you can get on Hulu. Everything. And Amazon. Like, everything, the other three that you just mentioned, you can get all of those that are on Netflix already. I love Netflix. Of course you do. You love wasting money. It's mostly for their TV shows, though. I don't watch a whole lot of movies. Well, you know, over Hulu has like TV shows, right? Yeah, but not the same ones. A lot of Netflix shows are Netflix ex- exclusives now. Netflix lost me when they got rid of The Office. <laughs> it's fair. It's embarrassing. I don't think that was their choice, but I get it. It's embarrassing. You watch a lot of HBO Max? Usually late night HBO. Okay. Tanner? <laughs> what? This is a Pranos and things like that. I think. It's not what I thought you were referencing. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I watch those I too. Would, I think I would get rid of HBO. I don't watch a lot on HBO. I don't I don't know if you guys have watched Game of Thrones. That's a show that I've like wanted to get into. I've watched one episode and gave up pretty quickly. So I think yeah, I HBO, never got into it. HBO is one for me to get rid of. I'd probably out of these four get rid of Hulu. For the reason that Alex said, most of what I get on Hulu, I can also have on Netflix. And I like the Netflix original series that I can watch. I watch a lot of their documentaries in particular. So I'm keeping Netflix. I'm going to get rid of Hulu. That is what we've got for One's Gotta Go today. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. I picture BK as Gru from Despicable Me. No, I can clarify. No, that nose is ginormous. There's no way BK's anywhere close. There's no way BK is nearly close to that. We sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Pull out the measuring stick.
A little bit of breaking Cardinals Whoa. news that we'll get oh, into on the yeah. other side. Coming up next, we'll cross things over as well with the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. And I'm Brandon Kylie. The fast lanes head into Chicago at the end of September for a special road trip up to Wrigleyville. You could potentially win your way in on the trip, courtesy of Walter Knoll Florist. Visit any Walter Knoll's four area locations now through September 12th. If you find the QR code in the store and enter to win, you could potentially have a free weekend in the Windy City, including a two night stay at a hotel, an invitation to an all inclusive happy hour with. Uh, the fast lane in Chicago, $100 gas gift, gift card, and much more. I'm going to get through this, power through this bad boy. We're going to do this together, man. Get all the details on this special Chicago trip giveaway with Walter Knoll and the fast lane now at 101ESPN.com. We do have some breaking news, Tanner. Oh, this is my moment. Oh, where's the other open? Oh, sorry. I thought this rise up to that. Okay. Nope, nope. Breaking news! Didn't need that. All right, go ahead. Ryan Helsley has been pushed to the 10-day injured list. That makes room for Miles Michaelis to start tonight. Helsley has gone to the injured list with an elbow issue. They are calling it a stress issue. You never want to hear that about a pitcher. Helsley has not appeared in a game since Saturday, so it'll, I would imagine, be retroactive to Saturday. Uh, Not what you want to see. Not what you want to see for Ryan Helsley, who had been contributing in a big way to the bullpen. Makes sense. This explains why we haven't seen him of late, but stinks to see him go on the injured list with a right elbow stress reaction. Was he really contributing, though? I mean, he was coming in and with, with inherited runners, but you couldn't use him in opening of in, of innings, and I think that kind of hurt the Cardinals because he was only like a one-position or one-situation pitcher. And right now you got other guys who can throw in any situation for you, and Garcia and TJ McFarland. So maybe you get him right, maybe you get him some time off. But more importantly... I think it's time for you to issue an apology to Ponce de Leon. Yeah. You I, did say that his career true, was done in St. True. Louis. Ponce did you said he was going with the Angels. Uh, he, he did indeed. He outlasted anything that I would have expected out of him. So credit, credit where it's due. He did uh, make it a little there further go. because Ryan Helsley got hurt. BKO. More, like, more likely it happened. Ponce throws. They were not playing that right I now. know, but come on. Why not? It's Friday. <laughs> Ponce de Leon throws a pitch in a game before Ryan Helsley. Which one's more likely to happen? <laughs> I'll say Ryan Helsley's more likely to throw a pitch before Ponce. I don't really know why Ponce is even here. He looks good when he's warming up. I don't know. Like, what scenario? The only way you're going to use him is if a pitcher gets blown up in the second inning. And, you know, I don't want to BKO anybody, so I'll knock on wood. I really don't understand it either, honestly. I, that, it's why I thought that this was kind of a foregone conclusion. Maybe it would have been if Helsley wasn't healthy. Do you guys think he warms up in the bullpen? Not because they call down and tell him to. It's one of those moments like, hopefully if I get closer to the coach, I can get in. Well, what's Andrew Miller's excuse? Andrew Miller went a while without even coming into a game. Yeah, he gets paid millions of dollars. He probably doesn't really care. When was Ponce officially activated? Do you guys remember? Uh, it It was when KK went on the injured list. August 4th? Is that right? No, he was he was um, wasn't it when KK was activated August 9th or injured 
He has been up for 11 days. They've been playing 11 days with a 25-man roster. Okay, well, there was a day off in there. I just, it doesn't make sense. Why if you're not going to utilize him, go ahead and add another player to your bench. Go, go grab somebody. I don't know who's available down in AAA for you that they like, but go put another bench bat on this roster if you're not going to utilize him. It just doesn't make any sense to go this route when you shouldn't have to play a man down. If you don't trust him, if your manager's not going to utilize him in any situation, because they've had spots where it would have made sense to throw Daniel Ponce de Leon in the last 11 days. If you're not going to use him ever, then go ahead and DFA him and move on. I like Daniel Ponce de Leon. I want it to work here, but it's clearly not for whatever reason, whether it's because the manager doesn't want to use him or they don't trust him. They think he's still, whatever it is, it ain't working here. So, Go ahead and find somebody who can actually contribute to this roster right now. Yeah, and the problem is I just don't know if there's guys that can contribute. Like, you got a couple players down in Memphis that might be able to get a call. Like, I know a lot of people have been calling for Juan Yepes to get called up and have him to be a bench bat because he's been crushing the ball for you in the minors. The problem is, though, you need arms. And after Ponce de Leon... I don't really know if there's any other arms that you can call up, right? Like Junior Fernandez, we were all a little surprised when Junior Fernandez was called up because he struggled so much up here. So I think Ponce is that last arm for you in the minors without taking a guy out of the minors that isn't ready to be at the major league level. So, you know, maybe the scenario is going to present itself. Maybe there's a night where they feel like that they want to give their starting pitchers an extra day off for the rotation. So Ponce is the one that starts for you. But you know that ain't happening. I don't see a scenario where one of your pitchers, and again, I'm not trying to BK or AKO anything, I don't see a scenario where your pitchers are going to get blown up like it was in the past where you had to bring somebody out of the bullpen in the second inning and have them go for for you. I bet, I bet tonight that we will see Ponce pitch, and the reason I say that is not because I don't think Michaels is going to get roughed up. I think the reason that we'll see that happen is I would assume that the Cardinals can get a big lead on the Pirates tonight or one day in this series, I'll say, because they can. They, we've seen them score on the Pirates. That's, that's going to happen. Ladies and gentlemen. That's when you can use Daniel Ponce de Leon. Yeah, but I've thought that before, and it hasn't happened. It's, it's happened. It happened last week against the Pirates. <laughs> I really hope BK saying that Ponce is out means we get the opposite of that and he becomes really good. You know what? That's how the BKO works well, because you said you had to be honest about the BKO for it to work, and you were really honest with us. I am, yeah. Who did he BKO? He's BKO and Ponce, but in the opposite direction, Jamie. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. The reverse BKO. Ponce is going to be a Cy Young candidate now. Legal in certain states. <laughs> And there he is, ladies and gentlemen. Crossing things over, the one and only former superstar NHL defenseman, one of my good friends. His name's Jamie Rivers, and he's in studio with us. Jamie, what's going on, bud? Well, sorry I'm a little late, guys. I'm not used to you guys being on clock. I so there was I was uh, a little behind. Uh, came down, I was like, oh, they're still in their segment. And somebody, oh, they're in the crossover. You thought we were still in our previous segment. Yeah, I really was. I was like, oh, wow. There was news. The Cardinals put... Are we allowed to say this? Oh, this doesn't affect the lineup, so we no, can say this, No, it doesn't this, affect right? the lineup. Please don't talk about the lineup. Ryan Helsley was placed on the 10-day injured list for the Cardinals to activate Miles Michaelis. I am wondering, aloud, why Daniel Ponce de Leon is still on the roster. Hmm. Because I like Daniel Ponce de Leon. First question, did you know he's still on the roster? No, I actually didn't. <laughs> it's like Andrew Miller at the beginning of the season, man. He's oh. been on the roster protection. for 11 days now. Yeah. 
How many pitches do you think Daniel Ponce de Leon has thrown? Well, in actual games? Yeah. Yeah. So no, warm-ups, warm-ups. You well, he, maybe he's doing he, a side session. He warmed up last night. You yeah. saw it. It happened. It was, was a real. good warm-up. I'm sure he warmed up every game during that series against the Brewers. <laughs> it was a good warm-up, though. Maybe yeah. not good enough. Mike Keenan did that one time to me. We had uh, two different times, guys. Uh, what? Yeah, one time Keenan I flew in to, uh, to play a game, took morning skate, and he sent me down after morning skate. Didn't oh. think I was ready to go. So we sent you back to the minors? Yep. It was, uh, <laughs> that would piss me off a, so Interesting much. strategy. And so then, that's when you hated Mike Keenan. Oh, it was long before that. <laughs> uh, and then Christer Olsen, there's a blast from the past. He got called up, didn't even get morning skate, came up, did warm up, and got sent down after oh warm up. Oh, my God. Yeah. You just don't look like you're ready. Well, no kidding, Mike. <laughs> no kidding. This morning I was in Springfield, Massachusetts. I'm in a you suit. You called me up. I'm in a track suit. I didn't even have time to get a shirt and tie. I don't even have my luggage here yet. But I had a bad warm-up, huh? Huh. All right. I haven't even showered. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mike. Didn't even take my mor- morning Mike Keenan just, just head yet. back to Springfield and get on another flight for another six oh, hours. Straight back down to the minors. Oh, my God. God bless him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie, I heard you and Alex talking about this yesterday. There, there was the news that Arizona looks like they're going to be moving. They're, they're at least not going to be back in Glendale. Correct. We'll see. Maybe they go to Scottsdale, Phoenix. We'll see what happens with them. But uh-huh. they won't be back in Glendale. We know that much. They did not renew the contract for them for 2022. Do you think that Kansas City would be a possibility? No, for them. No, How I really don't. Uh, one, it's the the proximity of it. The market's not big enough to support another NHL team there. I think the Blues have done everything they possibly can to extract all the fandom that you can here in the Midwest area, this region of the Midwest. They've done a great job. I will say this. They've done an unbelievable job of outreach in Kansas City. 100%. There are a ton of Blues fans in KC. And so the NHL would then ask the Blues, well, how do you feel about a team in this certain proximity? And the Blues would say, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. We've put too much time and effort, and they'll probably have record of the manpower and dollars attached to everything they've done to you know, market themselves in the Kansas City area. It just won't happen. I just, I, I don't see it. I think it would be fun. And I also, at the same time, the Kansas City market, I don't know how well that would support a team. I know it's they did know good in the sure. minors. You know, Kansas City Blades way back in the day, they did okay. You know, but a lot it's of going those, very well right now with the, the Mavericks, Mavericks that they've got. Yeah, but that's a 6,000 seat arena. It's very different. Totally it's, different. This it's would a be whole other the animal. T-Mobile Center where it's. 20-ish thousand that they would have to have every night. Yeah, and I know the ownership for the Mavericks team and Brent Thies and the guy who's in charge of all that over there, and they've done a, a great job, but that's a complete other animal when you're down in the East Coast League as opposed Absolutely. to the NHL. And so. the reason why I ask is is not because of my Kansas City roots. I think it'd be awesome to have a natural rivalry like that. We've already got Chicago, which has been awesome, but with the Coyotes in your division now, I think it'd be great to have the natural geographic location could be a rivalry for you, but I get it. If, yeah. if, if you're the Blues, if I'm putting my business hat on instead of the fan hat of having the rivalry, it does make a lot of sense for them to just continue to capture that location. You've got fans that do drive out or fly out, whatever, come to St. Louis for a weekend getaway, and they'll go to a couple of games for the Blues. So it, it makes sense for them to not want that. Yeah, I agree. And look, if you look at the in pro- close proximity, like the closest one is what, Chicago? 
Yeah. That's a massive market. Nashville, Chicago. Nashville, Chicago. Yeah. You know, but now, you know, you're looking at it. Nashville's created its market, which is great because they capture another piece of the southeast, too, right there. Not quite Florida, but they get that, that Georgia atmosphere, some people there. I just think that the natural spot for the Coyotes, the, the best spot, honestly, would be Scottsdale. That's where all the money is. That's where everything happens in Scottsdale. Have you guys been to Scottsdale? It's where the fan base is, too. It is expensive oh, it's crazy. to be there. It's Holy crazy. Cow. But it's amazing at the same time. Kara if- went on a bachelorette party there, and she got back, and I was like, we're broke. We got no money. Yeah, left. no. They're not giving things away <laughs> no. in Scottsdale. Uh, but it is really nice. It would be perfect, and, and their practice facility is in Scottsdale. Um, but otherwise, I think it's Houston, guys. I'm telling you right now. I was down there a number of times playing in the minors, and they supported the hockey team very well. The facility they have is top-notch or owner. That owner, I just wonder. He's not particularly uh, liquid. Whoa. Yeah, he's tied up in a lot of different areas as far as financially. Been a rough couple of years. Been a rough couple of years, but I do think that the NBA is not thrilled with him. I'll no, no. He is, yeah, he's had a bumpy road here, especially in the last couple of years. Tillman Fertitta. Is Tillman Fertitta. He's great the name. station casino guy there. Uh, and Bubba Gum, Shrimp, and all that stuff. He's got a lot of things that you know he's tied to. But I do know the NHL has an appetite to get down into Houston and to keep that team in the Western Conference. That's kind of what makes sense as far as like right away. If they're looking to swap some teams around, you know, Quebec City, I've mm-hmm. talked about that. But the Canadian dollar and the taxes and the things like that, that I think that's still a work in progress. And Houston could be an interesting rivalry for St. Louis as well. We had the Astros-Cardinals mm-hmm. rivalry there in the early 2000s. Maybe you can you can build off that a little bit as well. And it's going to, regardless of where they move, they have to be good for that to become a rivalry. So yeah, they have the big star fun. state rivalry too. They'd have Dallas, yeah, Houston it. playing against each other. Absolutely. It could yeah. be kind of fun. That's where the Houston and Dallas comes in. I'd love to see that, kind of like the internal cool. California ones. Jamie, what's coming up today on the Fast Lane, man? Well, we're going to talk about the roller coaster ride that is the Cardinals. Uh, you know, it, not just game to game, but within the game itself, there's a lot of highs and lows when you're watching the St. Louis Cardinals. We're going to talk about Tyler O'Neill. I think he's an interesting candidate for. Oh, a lot of different things coming up here. Is this really what he is? If so, should the Cardinals maybe lock him up? I'm not sure. And, of course, it's Friday. You know what that means? Matt Holiday. So Looking we're going to talk to Matt Holiday, who's our guy, and uh, we love talking to him. That's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back on Monday at 11. Alex Ferrario out all of next week. We'll have Mark Saxon filling in what? for him. So, Alex, enjoy your time off. Thank Hockey you, buddy. season coming up. He's going to have a little bit of time off. He's got Come four hours coming up on the fast lane next on 101 ESPN. Blew two more guys off of the bullpen. You know, it's always set going back to back with the boys. <laughs> You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited-time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. The Wendy's $3 breakfast deal is here. Get a bacon or sausage egg and Swiss croissant plus a small seasoned potatoes. That's a better breakfast for just three bucks in three easy steps. One, wake up. (sighs) Two, get out of bed. And three, head to Wendy's for your $3 breakfast deal. 
Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's $3 breakfast deal. Limited time only. Participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Select or request $3 breakfast deal in order to obtain discount. Not valid for all card or combos. Orders. Price and participation may vary in Alaska and Hawaii.